perimeter alarm. Sure, those sensors helped. We had lots of warning before they creamed us. You're listening to Wolfnet Radio, the show that pioneered your SOP. I'll be your host this evening, Matthew Wathex. Bloodbath Barons. Co-host tonight, this evening, as always, Andrew, rules as written, Minnow Kroll. <laughs> good evening. <laughs> That's, that doesn't set me up for a good podcast. Uh, <laughs> well, just shove your, bag, shove your soapbox back under the table. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and Aaron, TNF, Coach Kroll. I did make one. <laughs> It was a huge thing of, my God, he's here. I finally made a Tuesday night fight. It's been a long time. <laughs> and it was fun. It's been a long time. I forget how much those just dive into. We should just stop calling them Tuesday night fights and Tuesday night HR meetings. Or It's just like. Well, let's not get into that. It, it's all it is. It's like, let's. <laughs> Oh, yeah, we're playing a game. <laughs> what? An ulterior motive to joining oh. the club? Yeah. Weird. And uh, Luke, Cywar Ops, Charles Gideon Dirks. Hi, everybody. And tonight, Tommy will be out. He's on sick call. <laughs> Probably stuck in the barracks. And special guest tonight, Battletech Assistant Line Developer for Catalyst Game Labs. Aaron Cubby Cahill, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Hi, Cubby. Hi. <laughs> Are you tired from your trip? A little bit. Still doing well. Yeah, I, thank you. I love thank how you we for always. Joining us. I love how we always get you on the show when <laughs> you've had like literally the worst weekend. That's <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we wait for a good one. We'll be waiting a while. It's a good, it's a good, <laughs> you know, stress reliever. This show. Yeah, I mean, I was get like rid of the, video. get rid of the bag and end with a good. Now, looking at some new products that are recently getting ready to roll out. Rec guides. What are we up to? 24, 25? 26. 26, 27, oh. I think. Oh, We're way behind. Possibly, possibly Friday. Yeah. Yeah. 20, the plan is 27 Friday. So, if Excellent. I'm not mistaken, wasn't it after 24 they were gonna like put a pause on rec guides or something like that? They weren't gonna do them anymore. Or we did, we did for a year. Um, oh, look had, what I look at me in the middle. Well, we had planned. <laughs> it's tricky because at the time the 24 came out, we knew we were gonna do. When I say we, I mean Johannes Adler, the line developer for that, the product developer for that. We knew we were gonna do more. We couldn't say anything because it was tied up in two things. One, how we were going to collect them all. And two, the Mercenaries Kickstarter, which was like the worst kept secret, but still had not been officially <laughs> announced. Because then you get into like what's in these rec guides is going to be what's in the Mercs Kickstarter. And at the time, even that list wasn't necessarily finalized. So, you know, we knew we were going to do more. We didn't know when. Um, and these came out. Uh just in the last couple of weeks, we were able to start rolling them out. But the plan is to go bi-weekly with nine volumes total. So it's at 25 through 32, 33. Um, and then that'll be what we need for the collections. Um, first one will be out hopefully early next year, March-ish, April. Nice. I can't wait to have a full second set. One will be a little, second one will be a little further after that. Um and Ray does the breakdown better than I do, but the first one's going to be all of the um, upgrades, um, the classic 
to the classic one, the um, yeah, yeah from the, the first Kickstarter, the OGs, a couple of those. Yep, and then the second one will be the truly new stuff. So the Jade Phoenixes and the um, the new new. You had I, to you had to iterate the one mech that upsets us all the most. Who? <laughs> Which the one? Jade Phoenix. <laughs> the Jade Phoenix. That's why I mentioned it. It doesn't upset Tommy. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, it was when so this new batch of rec guides, like we have new things, i.e., vehicles. Um, because that was never a thing in the original run of rec guides. So now we have vehicles, which I mean makes total sense because they're in you know going to be in the Merc. Uh, kickstarter but um it's it's very cool to see the updates to those because they've kind of just been i mean i mean other than the stuff that came out with like clicks um there's a lot of new designs that came out then but it it, it's cool to see a new demolisher you know like all of those those classic ones with uh, all the all the fancy tech now and with and with good scale the same the same sense of scale that that we've used for all the, the redesigned stuff um, yeah, I mean, we're, I'm, I'm excited to get vehicles out there because I actually don't own many myself. Um, I never invested in the, the pewter. So this will be the first, some of the first tanks I, I own myself and play with. So do you, do you know, and I, and I've failed because I, I've been meaning to get Scroggins on here as well, but I mean, the new art that Catalyst has been putting out, I, I, I don't know if, you could have hit the nail harder on the head as far as re-imaging and rebranding um, the core set of mechs and now expanding to vehicles. I mean, I was just scrolling through 26 and I mean, the Condor and the Maxim, uh, just wow. How many artists do you know? How many new artists or how many artists are is Anthony working with to this get game... this art done? Including himself, because there are times he calls his own number. It's five or six at least. It's a fairly Man. fairly large group. He's he's kind of so I know very little about the art process because I try not to get involved with it. And if it sounds like I'm abdicating some responsibility, there's a lot of eyes on that stuff. Anthony, Ray, Brent, uh, Randall. I mean, everybody, and and these are folks that have very strong opinions about art. And the truth is, I don't. I mean, I, I I know it's I know what I like, or you know the old saying, but I don't have um, I don't have the language or the understanding that they do to provide feedback beyond basically, oh, that looks cool. Um, it all looks cool, but you know, yeah. someone like a, a Brent, they've gone just thinking of the Alpha Strike box set. I mean, there was a long going around about how to do the antenna on the Wraith. Like, should they be built in? Like they kind of are, should they be different formula? And, you know, I think those kinds of debates ultimately in the aggregate create what you're, you're seeing is these really cool redesigns. But when they're down at that level of granularity, I can't like, what is, what is my email ad? You know, I agree. That looks great. I agree with what what Ray says. When we had, when we had the 50th episode and we had Brent Ray, and Randall on, and even when I was out at KerenskyCon too, you could see it. It, it. You get those guys in the room, and you start talking about art, and it's kind of like pull the pin on a hand grenade and throw it, and then just watch them either all dive on it or try and kick it underneath somebody else when they start 
trying to talk about what needs to change or what they think of an aesthetic and and fighting for or against the particular subject but the nuance right like you were just talking about about an antenna that's I believe why we're having sex, 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 shapes, sex, shapes of cockpits. Sex. I mean, I've seen the stuff they've gone around with, with, you know, how much should it be a bullet shape on a particular mech versus rounded versus that. And I, you know, I, I've learned more in the last couple of years about, about that. But again, I don't have that background. I, I come from words, not the picture side. There was a fourth guy in that 50th episode too. Who was he? Um, mm-hmm. God. Oh, is Aaron Kale. <laughs> right, but notice when they did the art stuff, I didn't have much to add. <laughs> I just uh, he was he was poking was, me in the ribs. It was it was easy to edit you uh, during that episode during the artwork. <laughs> um, plenty, trust me when I say there's plenty more to keep myself busy with without having to wade into a battle that's already being yeah. you know, something that's well, already being figured out by people better suited than I to do it. With those with those rec guides, you know you're doing what you did with uh, continuing to do what you did with all the old models that everybody loves, the Griffins, the Warhammers, the Marauders, everything. Um, it's and we have seen that on our side that it's great to see those table uh, those models on the table with a great new upgraded you know stat line and all this other stuff, and it makes them playable maybe a little more than than the old star league stuff that, you know, uh, but it's, it's good to see a Griffin in dark ages or ill clan or something like that. So. Well, and it's, uh, it's necessary. I think both from the marketing, the, the product sales point of view of, we just did this whole Kickstarter. And if we're trying to really make the, I keep saying this, I probably said it on the 50th several times that the old clan era is the now it's where we are. It's where we want to set products and be, and not just one of seven, you know, like this is the now, then we have to give play, people a way to use the miniatures they just bought, or they're never gonna like. Why would you move on when you just bought all these force packs full of miniatures that we've deprecated in some way to use the fancy IT word, or we've we've obsoleted um, from the universe? But also from a lore perspective, like we we say in all this in, in primers in fiction that. Mechs are around for hundreds of years, individual mechs, let alone designs. You know, it, it, it's a Phoenix Hawk that your family's had for 300 years, and the design is, you know, 400, 500 years old, older than that. Well, that means it's been upgraded, or it will have been, yeah. let me rephrase, as technology came back, it would have been upgraded. It would have been iterated with new stuff. That hadn't happened previously because the story of Battletech is the fall of the Roman Empire, the loss of technology up to the point the game starts. But as we're on this upswing, you know, we've never really, I think, in Battletech had to do that before. Because even the Star League stuff was in like like a tech readout 2750 was kind of intentionally a back in the day. If you really want to play these back in the day mechs, they weren't meant to be brought forward. They were just lost. Mm-hmm. And this is the TRO for the lost mechs. Well, you know, this is the first time I think any Battletech development team has had to kind of take what was existing and put new stuff in it, where we've had to bring these mechs along with us rather than put a stop in them. So I'm glad it's been well-received. I like a lot of them. Ray loves the new Marauders. He only, almost only plays those in Masters of Minion. <laughs> 10, 11, but, 
one with what the silver pulse is... rifles, the one he loves. Yeah, the 10D. I think it's 10D. the 10D. That 10D. thing is a beast. It's really good. It seems to die in it a lot, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as everybody gangs up on him. <laughs> it's kind of fun that you get a sure, he, was, he, was, he was supposed to join us tonight, too, but so we can take shots at him because he's not here to defend himself. So. 100%. Hey, yo. That's time to do it. Uh, but I do love the fact, it, especially in Battletech, right? This setting that is totally plausible reason for upgrading an old Phoenix Hawk that was around in twenty uh, Origins of Battlemech. They'll they're going to be mad at me, but whatever year they they came out, um, <laughs> it it makes sense that, like you said, this one's been in service for so long. A lot of the techs could fix it with their eyes closed. Um, there's no reason to just phase out a Phoenix Hawk because, you know, all your techs and all your engineers and stuff, they're probably, that's their big, you know, battle mech repair 101 mech is, is the Phoenix Hawk or one of the old models. And the other flip flip side of the coin is, is that all the newer stuff, not everybody knows how to fix. Not everybody knows how it works. It's, it's hard to take a mech from a brand new Lyran uh, Alliance mech and and throw it over to the Fed Sons and be like, well, uh, I don't know what they did here. And and so. no shade to the, to the Fossa developers that Brandel is one of them. That you know those those tech readouts past like you know thirty fifty where they just kept generating new mechs like altogether new mechs, new designs, new everything. You know that was done for a reason. Those TROs did sell, um, and it was the expectation there would be all new designs, not all new variants, uh, all new chassis, and, and, and not all new variants. But I think we found a way to have a balance in these rec guides of both. And it takes pressure off of the folks, you know, Johannes' team that builds these mechs, that when we say a new one, it can really be something different and interesting and, and fill a niche or a story or, you know, something in the lore or a purpose, rather than just, all right, we need new mech number 47 to fill a slot. And you just get these, I think, kind of generic. Like, how many times have you seen a mech and you're like, oh, that's just a blank with this new gun thrown on it? Yeah, um, that's a Warhammer just with looks different. With new gloss rifle, yeah, or some yeah. kind of other PC, you know, a improved it's got the higher end searchlight, large laser or something. Sure. It's just a showcase for the new weapon. You know, I, <laughs> one, of my, one of my jobs was working at an army testing facility. I was a tech writer, I wasn't doing any of the testing. One of the things I learned there is anyone who's been in, in the service or, or worked civilian side knows same vehicles, the same chassis have been around forever. They just put new equipments, they put new electronics packages in them. They put new, you know, they test a new crow's system or a new some other sort of doohickey. Um, but like MRAPs that was the reports I was working on. I mean, there's a million, you know, 31 f- flavors of MRAP. <laughs> just get new, you know, they'll test a new antenna, they'll test a new thing on it. They're just always iterating on the design. It's pretty rare that they would come through and be like, well, let's just design a whole new tank. We're going to have a wholly different, a totally different main battle tank uh, and come up with something completely new. To your point, nobody... It doesn't nobody, happen very often. Well, because it can't, right? That's, yeah. not, how this, that's not how anything works in, in maintaining or or equipping these vehicles. They need... The more that's the same, the better. Um, it's yeah, kind of from a repair in, in the fake history of the future to see a similar, uh, <laughs> similar sensibility finally establishing itself. Of why don't we just take a Phoenix Hawk, 
and equip it with this new gun rather than design some something you know that may or may not look great, um depending how the art comes out you never one on the yeah when on the flip side of that you you have like look at like the automotive business right where that we still have a chevy camaro but it is definitely not the same car that that came out but the name stays and and i think that that's also where i think it's easier for people to kind of wrap their head around of yeah if, if you make battle masters and even if the loadout is completely you know none of this loadout existed prior to you know 3100 we're still going to call it a battle master and we're going to put it in that skin because that's what people know and people you know th there's a value in the name so coming out with the new hotness th there is a level of uh where that makes sense in universe that they would be like hey this is this mech is all new it's all you know designed from the ground up for whatever but also you're going to have your uh kind of your heritage line of yeah it's still an archer you you love the archer you know what you know morgan kell piloted an archer no, absolutely nothing like this this is a completely different <laughs> different and this one doesn't disappear on radar when you bow with it or whatever right <laughs> but yeah if you look in the rec guides all the new stuff kind of has a really specific reason for existing or whether that you know sometimes it's top down or bottom up depending on whether the lore necessitated we need a thing to fill this niche of lore or whether we did the other way of here's a new mech, where does it fit in, in the universe? Um, we've done it both ways, but they all kind of have a point, you know, we try and give them something really specific because I think that helps with identification too. Oh, that's the Raven Alliance Outworlds mech, the new one that they ginned up for Bill Clan here. And you kind of know, oh, that's the thing. Not that's one of five or six particular things that we put one in each weight class and, who can tell them apart um right and i i do like i like the fact that new mechs like new new mechs aren't flooding the marketplace right you know you know like when the hammerhead came out we're like that's new and but they don't do a whole lot of new stuff and i like that um it's the new hotness but it's not like here here's 75 brand new battle mechs that you've never heard of Go go buy the TRO and memorize it by tomorrow because nobody's going to do that. But if you focus on one or two new mechs, you know every cycle or whatever, it, it's mm -hmm. it's pumping new blood into the game while people are still like, nope, I'm Marauder, do or die. But oh, this this new mech kind of looks cool, so I'll, I'll give that one a try too. So, but and you're not your flooding point, the market with it. Exactly, and to point to your point about new blood, for the most part, I think almost universally but there's probably an exception or two um of the redesign of the re um the new variants of the old stuff the pattern matches what the miniature shows so there's been an effort to be a little bit WYSIWYG with it not like in a rule sense of you have to do it that way but to help players who from a playability perspective may like a marauder and they may learn some of the very general foibles of a marauder like Guns in the arm, one in the torso. Um, that all of the new stuff mostly keeps that same pattern, both for visual help on the board, where it's not like they're playing with a miniature that we've, you know, this Marauder doesn't have any arms, and it actually has two Gauss rifles up top. And uh, well, that's not what I'm looking at that my friend just brought to the table. 
Um, but also when they're playing it, they sort of get an idea of like, it plays sort of the same way. You know, uh, you'll play a Phoenix Hawk more or less in the same vein. Because um, we didn't want to make variants that were so far afield, like that they were practically like two Cs or something where they were just totally different weight class, totally different dynamics to them. Um, it's not just enough to say like you can use your Phoenix Hawk in a game and it's still valid. In the Oak Clan era, you have to be able to say and it still plays like you have learned. So you don't have to throw away everything you you know you've learned in your first few games with it. Yeah. Along with variants and you know like the lore side, it is more cost effective to you know retrofit all of your certain types of Phoenix Hawks to a different variant instead of having to buy all new different ones. You just upgrade them, and it's it's more cost effective. It doesn't kill your bank account, especially if you're a merc. And we're still not going to the SLDF of like, here's my battalion of archers for fire support. I mean, <laughs> you know, any worries that we're going to get too homogenous, I assure you. It, it, <laughs> there are examples in Battletech lore of, of when we're nowhere near that. So, I mean, one of my favorite units is always Barber's Marauders 2s. And I'm just like, every once in a while, I have to just close my eyes and just imagine an entire regiment <laughs> of Marauders. It's still awesome, but easy would never happen. I was going to yeah. say, maintenance maintenance and parts would be really oh. easy for that unit. Super slick. Super easy. And there's a lot of different units like that, too, where Ghost Bear's got a trinary executioners, or they got a trinary of donners. Stuff like well, that I mean, does kind of happen. Way, way back, in the way, way back machine, when they talked about um, Star League and that kind of thing, the Royal Regiments wouldn't normally have lances that were all the same unit. So you'd have a company of four archers, four shadow hawks and locusts or spread, you know, stingers or whatever. Which would make their the... techs gloriously happy because they wouldn't have to train on yeah, too that, much other stuff. Imagine being a tech for a mercenary outfit that's like got twelve different mechs. I mean very different mechs. Sure an actuator's an actuator, but if you deconstruct it far enough, they must be like I'm installing this on what, and then I have to go do that tomorrow, and it, it and I don't know. <laughs> it, it Did they go through fit. a lot of bubble gum and paper clips? <laughs> a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was working through some of the old uh, scenario packs to get listings of the different Merc companies or house companies like Fox's Teeth, Crans and Snords, the old stuff that I can use the new plastics with and build out some interesting things. And in the Mercenary Handbook. Towards the back, they had Wilson Hussers. And the shit show that is Wilson Hussers, to your point of having 12 different machines. No, they had like closer to like 18 or 20 that were sort of working or maybe not. You <laughs> know, what it would be. And I think that's what it would be. Parts to be able to put it back together. Sure. <laughs> the folks who are driving the, the battle mech equivalent of a like, you know, Toyota Corolla could probably get their parts sourced and text at work down but the one guy who's over there with his you know super rare you know like mom or something with the original stuff yeah. like good luck man. then i have like, to take i have to take the whole leg off just to get that actuator out if you can <laughs> find the parts and anyone who knows how to who has a, or a manual even to do that like i don't know is there a fictional story that's told strictly from like the motor pool 
Yes. Like just the how... mercenary mercenary's life. Mercenary's life. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I and it is awesome. You, if it's, you haven't really read it, like read it. Really, because I really it, liked it. It talks about the tech side of diagnosing and be like, damn it, waiting for this damn thing to cool down because of the laser burn so I could just get my systems in there and get sensors on it. <laughs> I mean, All I need to do is pull one part. They got to be they got to be the most grumpiest people in the world. <laughs> Wasn't Mercenary's Life was that the book that Randall wrote that was kind of the uh, it bridged something or uh cuz I, I if I'm life. not if I'm not mistaken that one also had the jump ship where yep. it actually talked about a, a a merchant route and just how long it takes to make the it, circuit. It's taking those other individual jobs besides mech warrior or infantryman or, or elemental and it's this is important because if you don't have techs you don't have mechs and you don't have tanks you have to have someone to put the pieces back together just like you know every company is going to need a first sergeant for beans bullets and band-aids <laughs> if, without techs you don't have mechs i, I feel like that's probably written on some barracks wall somewhere yeah, that should be <laughs> that's their motivation to be able to go into the into the into the maintenance area um, i would i would love to see more stories on that <clears throat> specifically where you get that attitude one of well that's very nice captain but you ain't gonna have shit unless you have coolant <laughs> like i need more barrels of coolant <laughs> So we've got the new Mercenaries Kickstarter coming up, and everyone has noticed, oh, wow, there's vehicles in this one. And I don't know in all of our having you guys on, have we ever discussed what was the real driving motivation to have vehicles at all in a box set, let alone be a Catalyst product uh, moving into the future? I don't I don't know that I even have a specific answer for that because I wasn't part of the conversation that included them. My sense from latter day having had meetings and you know talked to people is that it's the next place to go. Um, one thing I'll say is that I mentioned this on a call, I think, to the demo team not too long ago, so it's no big secret. But when you think about it, there are there are many, many, many individual chassis and many many more variants right but they get pretty niche they already did over a hundred and with this we're going to do i forget how many mechs exactly somebody's probably done the numbers but we're gonna do some more but it's it's kind of funny once you get past the first about 125 chassis and we're talking about variants of thereof i mean chassis once you get past a certain amount you're really starting to get pretty niche um and I think adding the vehicles allows us to spread some of that redesign love, capability, aptitude that, that Andrew was talking about to another important part of Battletech, right? Because I think you get to a point where somebody could rightly say, so you're redesigning this insert obscure mech, but you haven't redone a demolisher or a maxim. Like, not everybody plays with vehicles, but there are vehicles everybody plays with. And yeah. to not redo those at a point where you're like, all right, we're going to do the 500th most popular mech chassis. Um, 
you're you're kind of missing. I think you you start to get too far down one particular rabbit hole, and you know, part of part of what we're trying to do, you saw it in the Takayid book, was expand battlefield support points to do, that system do, to vehicles. Do do we have ideas for that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that's very much in in well. Yeah, I mean that's certainly, as you know, something that's very, very much in development. And I think, to be clear, we're not replacing any vehicle rules. We're going to make sure that what's in Total Warfare now is still valid. But it's about kind of moving the goalposts back a little bit, um, as we did. I mean, it's the the rules, the initial version of those rules are published. Um, try and give folks a way to put vehicles on the battlefield. A little faster, a little easier, with a little less tracking involved. So, I have a good example of that too. With you know, you're talking about some of the niche units and reasons to put things out there. But like with some of the lists, like we're developing, I was looking for anything that had Angel ECM and the Rasselhog Dominion, and they have a huge listing, more than others, of a lot of Angel ECM units, battle mechs, vehicles. And a lot of tags. So it's like, okay. So some factions and some eras have some of those niches where it's like, ooh, there's a smorgasbord there. It's it's not showing up in others. So it's kind of like when you have that faction mechanic that if they're going to fight the Word of Blake or the Dragonus Combine with C3, C3I, a lot of all that stuff, you're going to need Angel ECM to defeat it. That makes sense. Yeah, now we just I have think, to follow it through with novels. Yeah, one I think that's where too like the vehicle side of things comes in because there's there's definitely roles for the battlefield that it feels like a waste to do on a mech. Um, you know, like like getting like the command and control and stuff like that where it's like do I really want to take the battlemaster that has 10 tons devoted to C3 masters? You know, like that that sounds cool and it's thematic, but it doesn't necessarily like you could fill that role in another way. Like you, you have your, uh, your, uh, mobile HQ, it rolls around with that. So it, it, it kind of broadens that pool of those kinds of roles because like, uh, well, I mean, we all kind of grew up on like the Raven being the, uh, the electronic warfare mech, right? Um, but, but then as they started coming out with, uh, vehicles that were running probes and ECM and stuff like that, it was like, now that this kind of makes way more sense for me to have this fast hover vehicle flying around the battlefield, trying to fulfill this, this need rather than my light mech, you know, like that's kind of slow. Well, yeah, (laughs) different, uh, different, uh, construction rules, but yeah. (laughs) And I I can also see from, uh. A lore standpoint, too, of sometimes the manufacturer makes a piece of crap, (laughs) like, you know, the F-111 Aardvark, and then they try and sell it to all the branches, the Air Force, the Army, the Navy, and everybody's told to use it because there's budget cuts. So they might have a Battlemaster that's got a crappy, you know, HQ system because hey, it's new and improved. We need to have everybody use it because it's the latest and greatest. And they talk it up like you know, car used car salesman. And then it's just like, oh, we don't want to use that anymore. But we bought seven. But uh, fire that guy. 
I mean, you're, that's kind of the answer to the question, too, then, is there's interest in vehicles. There always has been. You know, I think it's a um, an appropriate place to, appropriate point with where the line is to start trying to look at that. Like, I don't think you do that first, but to say you get too far, you get going too far down the line with redesigns and you haven't hit vehicles, there's going to be enough folks that wonder, like, well, where are they? Um, because isn't it time? So... You know, it's a it's a portion of this Kickstarter. It's not the vehicles Kickstarter. It's not we're not going to. I think we're just hitting the most the most popular ones. Um, no, and it, but I think though. Yeah, no, and I think that you, you you the like this the designs the classic designs, uh, so to speak, that didn't get covered in the first in the Clan Invasion Kickstarter, um, like seeing those kind of holes get patched on the mech side. But I, but I feel like that also then is exactly where the vehicles fit in of like, yeah, there's, there's holes in, in these new, these new designs. So we're going to make, we're going to cover all of those things now. And, and I mean, when it's mercenaries, you can throw anything in there and, and it, it all fits. So it's, I, I like it. I'm looking forward to it. Was, was there a, with the introduction of the Alpha Strike box set, obviously once that hits the shelves here in I think a couple of days. The digital uh, shelves, I guess, you, so to speak. And can you can you speak to that? The the change there that I think they said once uh once it hits the warehouse, they're gonna instead of waiting, they're gonna honestly, start shipping yeah. stuff out. Yeah, so that uh, you know, I've I've said this other places too that that was definitely a unique thing. And that's not something that I think folks should get too used to seeing. Um, that went all the way up to ownership level, more and, and talking with PSI or warehouse um, or fulfillment partner as to how to do that. And it's not easy. Um, there were other products we'd hoped to do that with as well, and it just wasn't possible. Um, it's It has less to do, my understanding is that it has as much to do with us pushing for it as it did with distributors wanting that product. That PSI had made a showpiece of it. Um, distributors have been eager for it. But this box in particular was so in demand and so eagerly sought at a distributor level that they were able to do something like this. And all it, it means exactly like what it sounds, that instead of spending several weeks to do some of the deep magic that I don't understand at fulfillment partner, they would immediately start filling distributor and, and store orders. We would put it online, um, just an effort to get it out. Cause you know, is it anyone, anyone who works almost any business, you know, the holidays, things slow down. Uh, and it, you know, there was a chance that, um, had this come in a little later or had the timing not worked out that it wouldn't get done till after the new year. And nobody wanted that, but um, fortunately it's not going to happen. And, you know, we I can tell you with the box set, um, it's the, I, I believe it's the largest single print run of any box. The Catalyst that's what I've on. heard. That's what we've so, heard already too. Yeah, you know, that's going to be on the flip side. I would, as somebody pointed out, oh, so they'll be around, you know, everyone will get one who wants one. I hope. <laughs> uh, I mean, to make that sound like a guarantee because I think you can never make away. that promise. They're going to go, they're, they're going to move, but I also suspect that they're going to be a success. And 
you know, people have asked already, are you going to do a reprint? I mean, I can't, I don't pull the trigger on those. Um, and certainly, to my knowledge, one has not been pulled yet. We wouldn't until we see what the sales of these are. But if you can look back at what the beginner box, the Game Armored Combat, Clan Invasion, they've been restocking. Um, we've been able to go back to print and get more in. So, you know, the message I, I've said it here, I've said it other places. You know, we try and tell folks the old, that kind of past history of fear of missing out, get it now or you'll never see one again. I think we've pretty well disproven that. Like, Timing you, you, isn't always what we'd like, but... Yeah, you've quelled you know, those as, rumors. Yeah, it's definitely not the case where we're going to do this once. I, I, again, would strongly suspect it is not the case where we will do this once if it's successful. So... Well, yeah. and, and that's where, you know, if the distributors are, you know, kind of knocking on the doors, begging for, to get them out and it, it, like somebody must be knocking on their door saying, Hey, get these in my store now. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, um, well, and to the, uh, everybody that I've talked to, that got one at uh, Gen Con, you know, very happy with the product and, uh, well, one, the, the, the mech selection inside, I, I think you guys did a great job there because that is a lot of stuff um, that we see people playing a lot. Um, and people don't, <laughs> people have, you know, are tired of rebuying those force packs, whether it's the, you know, whatever Lance or Star that they need to. Um, but this way they're going to end up being able to buy the Alpha Strike box and get a few of those units that they've been looking to get um kind of all in one shot and then they all get wraiths which you know i'm very appreciative thank you aaron for getting the wraith in there everybody has to have a wraith yes i'm told i i was i i did i was the one who suggested that when we were first talking about it but i was, I was told i think it's also a favor of lauren's because of um uh, Aaron, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I don't know that it may have been my idea, but I don't. I don't know that that had any any great influence on it. I think uh, picking picking one the boss likes is always a good choice. Dude, so, well, uh, dude, again, well, until no Warren's on, one's, no one's here to contradict you, so take all the credit you can. <laughs> yeah, good say, job, until, Aaron. You did it. Until Warren comes yes. on, until yeah. Lauren comes on the podcast, it's all you. It's all. Don't bring it up to because he's going to be on. We're going to get him. Yeah. And I'll be like, man, that Cubby made a great choice in the Wraith on the Elf Strike box set. <laughs> <laughs> like, you Trace should give that guy a raise. Written all over him. <laughs> One from a movie, folks. Well, if there's any any, any indication on how well this is going to do, like, our YouTube channel is like 100 views, 200 views, 150 views. Our, box, our Alpha Strike box unboxing, 5,000 views. <laughs> and then the up. same way. I don't know. I, I've only been to two Gen Cons. This is my second this year, so I don't have a whole lot of context. But, you know, we, we do this card system at Gen Con, or at least that's what we did this year, where it was you like. You did it this year. It was the only year yeah. you've done it, and it was fantastic. I was told somebody we might have done it at Origins. It wasn't like the first time ever. Oh, but okay. It may not have been. It may have been the first time at Gen Con. Certainly the first time I've ever been a part of it. And, you know, you had hundreds of people. I mean, it was. It was a huge line at the booth. We were passing out cards as fast as we could get, get them back. And it was mostly people looking for the alpha strike box. Um, yeah. I mean, we're really excited to get this out. Uh, it's 
kind of amazing in some ways that it exists. Um, I'm thrilled that it does, but I'm I'm still like a little bit kind of amazed that we're able to get it get it done. It's, it's a fantastic product. It is not only the best BattleTech box set, but I think it's one of the best uh, in one box start and go of any war game I've I've been a part of. It is. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. You know, this, this, I'm going to put on my corporate shill hat for a minute, but <laughs> it's, it's one of the few, pro- I like, I like a lot of the stuff, basically all the stuff we've made recently um, in terms of quality, in terms of, of thoughtfulness put into it and what Andrew's saying about the design. This is kind of the first time I've opened one though and been like, I can't believe we got this much stuff in here. Right. You know, normally I look at things and I'm like, this turned out really well. Yeah. This is what I wanted it to be, what we hoped it would be. This is great. I feel that about basically everything we, we make. This was the first time I was kind of genuinely like, just as a customer, thinking like a customer, blown away of like, you know, Randall kept adding things and wanting a little more and a little more in there and a little more in there. And there's always like a fear of overbuilding something where you've made a really great thing, but either the price point, you know, he had a, he's really good at keeping an eye on price points and, and can this be made made to sell? Um, but yeah, I mean, looking through it at Gen Con, is like there's way more buildings in here than I thought there would be. There's train punch outs look great. I mean, even the cards, like there's Battlefield support cards in there, um, which I had somehow forgotten about despite having worked on it. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of stuff in <clears throat> I knew we were going to be all right, too, because the story, I think I told this maybe on the 50th, but um, I knew we were going to be all right when the forum, some folks started talking about, after we showed that spread in April of, like, here's what's in the box, without really describing all of it, like, you know, this many buildings, this many cards, whatever, people started talking about, okay, so how much is this going to cost? And the consensus was, like... 90 would be acceptable. 94.99 would be okay. Oh, and I was like, we're I coming th- in at 80. Yeah, I, I think we were talking way 120. Way lower relatively, but lower. I was like, this is going to, that's where I, I felt like we're going to have a, a good one because. Yeah, you guys, this, this is going to be a gold star product. I hope so. Um, but when I first started the, the conversation, Getting back into the vehicles, because I wanted to touch on one thing with the vehicles once more, is Alpha Strike that we have found is such an easy way to incorporate vehicles into your gameplay. Classic is, you know, there's a lot more stuff that goes into vehicles, and people, you know, once they see this, the the uh, section on vehicles in a total a total warfare, they're like, ah, uh, they hesitate. You know, kind of. But this one, the cards are the same. The movement's the same. Everything, other than the mode of damage, I mean, they act and, and respond just like mechs do, which I think was a brilliant idea because now, I mean, vehicles, I can, I can tell you from everyone here, that's almost the first go-to thing we do on Master Unit List is, okay, what's my vehicle loadout going to look like? And I think having the Alpha Strike box set come out and then roll right into... The mercenaries Kickstarter, which has vehicles in it, is just gonna get people to include combined arms and, and vehicles 
to a, a level we have not seen in Battletech, I think. You're, you're getting at something I've always sort of, like, developmentally felt, that where vehicles are in Alpha Strike and where they are, where they start in Total Warfare, are not quite at the same level. So where I said a minute ago, moving the, the, the goalpost back a little is, I think the BSP version, at least as we, we're still working and there's a lot of active work on it, but even just with what's in Takeda, it, it brings it a little more in sync, you know what I mean? Where that's a little more like what somebody would expect um, when they first start using vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the full TW rules are fine in my opinion, but they're a tough place to start, I think. Especially yeah. if you don't have somebody showing you how it works, if you're kind of self-teaching or teaching with a small group of friends for, for the classic side. Um, yeah, for Alpha Strike, there's no doubt. And I think what you're also getting at is kind of, we can back a little more into like the, the developmental history and what I can say, but um, the Alpha Strike box set is possible because the miniatures can be played in either TW or Alpha mm-hmm. Strike. I know it's a very mm-hmm. obvious statement, but what was... <laughs> you guys are very close to Alpha Strike, so I'm probably preaching to the choir, but what Alpha Strike always needed was miniatures. And a lot, of, a lot team, of them because of... A lot of them because of right. what you're able to do in the time frame versus TW. That's right, when, so... And One standardized. The other, you know, where we, we have these miniatures now. So, you know, Alpha Strike as a rule set, as a form of play is much more integrated, much more um, vibrant and much more. Uh, more things are possible with it, including things like now that we have vehicle miniatures. Well, that feeds right. You know what I mean? Like the, the miniatures really do drive. Yes. Um, almost everything it feels like. You know, if I have the miniature, I'm going to I want to play it. And in Alpha Strike, it's just easier for me to put a, a, that miniature on the board. Um, again, we're going to... Andrew keeps harping on me to try uh, Hexless Classic. And I think we're going to give that a shot. But again, there's that barrier of like... I, I know the classic rules for battle mechs, but do I, do I want to dive in to put a demolisher on the board for classic. And I'm going to I'm going to force myself to do it, but I don't know how many people would. That's just the thing. See, yeah. but but where I'm going with the the reason that I'm pushing for you guys to try the miniature rules are and Cubby got you here as well. I really do think that the miniature rules for classic is a fantastic blending of the two systems that gives you the crunch in the record keeping and that RPG feel style of, of classic, but makes movement in terrain and ranges and all of that more alpha strike ish that they two, the two will blend, I think better. And it could be a, a, a path forward. Um, my last classic game that I played, of course it was, probably a year ago now but we played we played hexless and it was a blast the movement is exactly the way it is with uh with alpha strike when i mean we had a event out here 
uh, in Castle Rock yesterday, uh, which was class, uh, Hexless Classic. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it, but again, it's driven by the miniature, right? You can't, it, it's not exactly appealing to say, well, I have my cardboard standee and I'm going to stand over here. You know, like it, you, I suppose you could do it, but it loses a lot. But having 3D terrain with uh, miniatures, the, it, and it, it, it changes the feel. Um, it also reminded me why I like Alpha Strike so much. Not to, I'm not ragging on classic, but um, two two games of classic wore me out like four games of Alpha Strike. Mm-hmm. For, any, for anyone who's curious and, and any listeners, um, the rules for uh, miniature play are on the download section of the website under Quick Start Rules. Um, they're, they don't have an image with them, so they're a little easy to miss, but Battletech miniature rules. Um, is a place to start for that. There are folks who have done different iterations. There have been different iterations in FASA era product. Um, I think the way I posted was the most recent official. I'm using air quotes. Nobody can see. I keep forgetting. Nobody can see what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, I'm using air quotes around official because we aren't actively developing anything like that. Um, that's the most recent published version, I guess I would say. Um, Speaking of Speaking of rules and official, is there <laughs> any is there any conversation? I know that we had a time of war come out for doing, um, you know, infantry type battle. Is there any plan or any looking at doing battle troops battle or troops. an update to battle troops at all? I have, I've, I've talked to many many people about this. I have this ultimate game idea in my head, but I need a way to do troop battle and i don't know not, if we have I'm not okay had any discussions teaching that we have not any discussions okay. that i'm aware of of revisiting battle troops um that's something that i actually am not very familiar with because i don't think i've played a game of it um i mean i'm Nobody aware has. of it <laughs> that's it's at least it's not one 30 of those years cases, i think yeah and it's one of those cases of things kind of branching um off of the main kind of battle tech experience where you start doing different types of games. Um, but we are also doing, I mean, you know, Randall, others have spoken to the idea of having different battle tech games that somebody could play, you know, uh, like the six, this succession wars board game that he's spoken about publicly wanting to redo a strategy style board game. That's battle tech. Um, so, I mean, it, it's kind of the story, of the, again, back to the Alpha Strike box set, that's kind of the subtitle I've always thought of the Alpha Strike box set is in success, all things are possible. Um, because that's re- literally why that, I mean, that box set exists because, um, you know, this Battletech resurgence made it possible. You know, the idea of doing an Alpha Strike box set has been in the water supply long before I was, you know, at an editor developer level it was you know probably i was in the room but it was probably talked about around 2012 2013 when that book was initially released Um, so so having come in having come in when you did and knowing that that idea was there um again you you stated earlier too you know we're fairly close to alpha strike and i think we've said this before too why or what is the reason 
that Alpha Strike comes across as kind of the redheaded stepchild, right? From why it just it feels like it's always, you know, oh, and we have Alpha Strike, right? Everything's this, 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 and oh, right, we have this. So I know what you're saying. My sense is it goes back to the miniatures question that for the for a long time. I'm saying this objectively because I wasn't, it, you know, I've, I've been involved as an editor since about 2015 and as a developer since 2018, 2019, I guess. Um, but for, I think Alpha Strike relies on the miniatures. And for a long time, Catalyst didn't have that. We, okay. we were a company that made a game, but primarily the product that was being put out was books. And that's what Alpha Strike got. The, the combat manuals, the, the core book, companion that then was folded into Commander's Edition. Um, but I sense what you're saying is real, but is about to change. Because of the box set, because of Commander's Edition being such a stable, though always being improved, stable rule <laughs> set. Yes. Um, well, I mean, John, I just guess what works What's that? That's an understatement. No, no, that's we've, I, yeah, we're we're fully we've aware. Had a lot. Of, we've had a lot of conversation on that. We can so, see yeah. the direct yeah, correlation. No, 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 that. I mean, that always, but in terms of in terms of not having to like redo all the point values, like we did from the first book to the second, it's a pretty stable rule set. Um, yes, and I I think it's now with the miniatures being so available and so consistently available. You know, I think Alpha Strike, kind of the analogy I was thinking of, it's ready to become another wing of the house instead of, like, the gazebo out back. It's a very nice gazebo, but you can't live there. I think there's going to be an environment where somebody can live in Alpha Strike in a way that was not possible, not easy, five years ago. I think folks now, I've, I've also encountered a little bit of this, of... Folks not realizing that Alpha Strike was first published almost 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. It's been around for a quarter of the history of Battletech. Yeah. And, you know, it's still seen as this new other thing. But it shouldn't be. It's just well, now we're able to give it the support that it deserves. Remember, for a long time, Alpha Strike could not get, and I don't mean wasn't getting, was denied. I mean, it could not get the support it deserved. Um, and I, I okay. agree with you. It's 100% miniature-driven because if you look at Classic, right, you can buy the book. Game stores are only carrying, what, maybe 20 models, you know, from Iron Winds. From Iron so that Classic was a game where I can buy the book. I can buy two mechs, and those are my mechs, right? It's a very RPG-driven game where I can play multitude of games with these two mechs, you know, repair them, do this. I could buy one more mech and, you know, make my Lance or this or that. Alpha Strike, you know, 100 PV goes a long ways. And you just, whether you're, you're asking the customer to spend all that money in Iron Winds, and then you got to find somebody that has spent the equal amount in models to be able to play a game. Now you're going to store owners and go, here, here's, you know, what, 13 mechs. The rules, you know, buildings, trees, 
everything you need. It's it's a ready to be made box. Now people are gonna go, oh sweet, open the box. You get five, I get eight. Let's go. And, and I, with with the yeah. merchant, yeah, with the packs and everything. Now people are getting four mechs or five mechs, not one. For for Alpha Strike to be a success, to not be the Reddit stepchild. It needed two things. It needed miniatures, and it needed miniatures consistently available. Mm-hmm. And the reason I keep harping on that is because, you know, we had the Lance Packs some years ago. And yeah. for newer folks, these are not the Force Packs. These are Lance the Packs. Lance Packs. They're branded <laughs> out, right? But they used, they were not redesigns. They were used the same molds, I guess. I don't know yep. the exact production, but the same sculpts as the, the, Box set stuff, the same trebuchet, the same trebuchet that everybody had five of, um, <laughs> and played none of, and and the commandos, sure, so many and, commandos. And without going back to totally like re-legislate those products, but the point was that for Alpha Strike to be what it needs to be, you have to not only have those products, those miniatures, in a way that people are, you know, they look good, they want people want to play them and paint them, but you have to have them available. You know, I've Internally, I've I've kind of told. Um, I think they knew this, but I've, I, there's been discussions about how if there's a BattleTech, there's a BattleTech resurgence. But I think a lot of it is driven by the continued, consistent availability of product. When something goes out, we get it back in. And and again, there's always delays. There's always I, I always I always kind of put this caveat in because somebody's going to say, okay, but I haven't seen a beginner box in my neck of the woods in a year. That's real. I totally valid. I'm looking macro, big picture. When we hit a zero in the warehouse, we usually have a reprint already, like, you know, at least being set up, if not printed, if not on a ship, ideally. Um, so we are restocking. And I think that's key. I mean, it sounds very obvious, but like a game like Alpha Strike, to your point, requires miniatures, it requires people being able to go from a box set. To get more miniatures because they're on the shelves because there's a force pack with a mini they want and it's there. You know, something like the old box set for classic, those big introductory box sets. If where would you go from there? Iron Winds. But you didn't really need you wouldn't it wasn't a case where you get that box set, which had a lot of play in it. There were a lot of mechs in that box, first of all. And of, of a lesser quality of, of a yeah, I believe totally inferior. They're hard to look at, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty. They're, they're pretty tough. Randall will tell you the same. <laughs> they're hard to look at now. They make um, they make great uh, destroyed mechs on bases. Though. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the point is, you you take that box, and there's so much play in that box. And if you wanted more, you would go to Iron Winds and get the mech or two you wanted. There wasn't a kind of feeling of, I think, for most people. I have this big box, and now I pick up the next expansion pack. Um, but you see with all sorts of games, I mean, any miniature game, X-Wing to, hell, even like stuff like LCGs, it's all about little next incremental things. Yep. Next step. All right, next so that, 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 actually brings, that. that actually brings up something that we ran into this weekend at Iron Gauntlet. Um, I had 14 players at Noble Knight Games. And at least half the field, if not better, it was their first um, 350 game. Not only first 350, but really their first four ways into 
alpha strike. Mm -hmm. And one of the reoccurring themes that we had was just coming into the game, the MUL is difficult because there is so damn much to have to work through, right? Mm -hmm. And to kind of understand on how do I build this. Um, has I, I know that there has been different conversations about you know the Lance packs and things like that. I really do think for Alpha Strike to be able to move forward and even gain more ground is to start building force packs or make packs that are house mercenary clan theme so that a person can come in and go, I want to play Fed Sons. Here's a Fed Sons pack that has, you know, two lances of mechs and a lance of vehicles and a couple stands of infantry or something. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of on the order of what 40K does with all of their various different armies. I mean, those are the some of the people that we have coming to the game, and that's what they're expecting. Um, or what would make it an easier transition for them to get into the game? Has mm -hmm. Catalyst talked about or given that any sort of thought to making yeah. themed house packs? Yes, and I'm not at liberty to say more. And that, that is sounds great. Hey, all we oh, needed. No more. That's going. I like let it. Me ca <laughs> let me caveat before people start going great. So when are they coming out? All I'm saying is, is there has been developmental thought and time put into how to do something like that. Am no, I, I hiding I am I hiding a stack of product behind me in the camera? No. 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 I don't know what that product <laughs> is. I don't have DAC does not have a render of the box or anything up. I, I no, say I, that only it... I say it cryptically only because we would very quickly go down a rabbit hole of like in the weeds development stuff. You know what I mean? It it, it is yeah. something that we are well aware of. It has been that mentioned comment many, is, many times. That comment, the comment is enough to know that you guys are talking about it and yeah. you guys are you guys, when you see something, especially as of last couple of years, right? Since the Kickstarter, you guys have done such a really good job of getting in front of things or really seeing something and getting something to to cover that so i know you don't have a product i know that you're you don't have anything going on but just the comment of we're talking about it that yeah. is a I, really good I just feeling to, i don't want to misinterpret that we are like imminently about to announce something we aren't but but it's something that we're very you know we've been aware of it kind of there's two ways to look at a BattleTech miniature product one is by like formation type which goes back to like the lance packs and the others by faction type so we've obviously done the one in that we you know every every force pack modern force pack is built around a formation um so yeah the the other obvious one then is faction factionalized and you know it doesn't it's no great leap to to think that that's something we'd we'd have to look at um I just don't have, I don't have any, it would, it would get real far down in the weeds of like, how do you do that? What does it look like? How many go in a pack? Stuff like that, that we just don't, you know, it, it we're aware of it very much. So I appreciate, I appreciate your answer. Thank you. Yeah, well, well, I, I, imagine if you guys are hearing that from, from the folks you play with, we're certainly hearing it at every convention. 
at, at oh sure you know at every communications plot like we're <laughs> we'd have to work pretty hard to not be aware of the desire to have <laughs> action based but i i love i love your reaction cubby to yes but oh god don't think it's in production because what? it's not long ago yes. that battletech fans were like okay so 10 years <laughs> Get roll. <laughs> now all of a Get sudden it it's like, oh my god, it's coming out next quarter. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully I've, I've I've done my part as marketing guy to try not to let there be too many surprises. Like that big April post that we did of like, here's what's coming up through the end of yeah. the year and all. Yeah, I really pushed hard for that. Not that I'm any big hero for doing so, but simply because we can't have. Surprise, like it's kind of like marketing one on one. Surprise is not a desirable emotion among your customers. Um, it, it tends to what seems like, you know, some great unveiling actually tends to instill fear of missing out, confusion, yeah. uncertainty. You want people to know or what the down. roadmap is. Or let and down. yes, I mean, when we did that April, we did that April post. There were still people that were like, "Okay, but what else are you working on?" Oh, I'm like, I don't. I just yeah. gave you. I just gave you literally my planner for the next fourteen months. Like, if you want more, like, pitch some ideas, man. Because I don't like some of those were real twinkle in our eye kind of stuff. Not quite that. That I shouldn't say that. They were certainly very far out. Like things that we hadn't written yet. You know. So that's the that's the double edged sword of like what Catalyst has been doing these days. Is like they've been giving us so much. That we're becoming spoiled little children and we just want more and more and more. When <laughs> I I would be safe to say probably fifty percent of all the new, you know, Battletech fans now, you know, most of us know what Battletech used to be like, where it's like, you know, you, you didn't get anything new. Rarely. A new book, maybe. Uh or, a new model every once in a while. Or you heard about new stuff. But you only yeah. ever heard about it, and I, you only heard it. Casting shade, but I understand how they got there. And I'm, I'm friends with, I work with, and am friends with folks who were, you know, very involved with the line at that time. But I get how you get there because I don't underestimate how difficult. And I've told Randall this and others how difficult it was to get stuff made. You know, bef- previous to yep. I don't know really the Kickstarter, but even before then, it was hard to get things made, and. So they were left with like with nothing else to say. They had to preview something. They had to say something when what are you what are you working on? What's new? Yep. Even just in casual convention conversations, not website posts or big press releases, but like, so what are you guys doing? Nothing. Or we're trying to still make <laughs> that thing. Is it not a desirable answer? Yeah. So they, they'd say, Well, we're really interested in doing a clan box set. Oh, what's gonna be in that? Well, we're looking at a couple di- right. And there was yeah. that clan box set that was sort of always in the yep. water supply. Coming for like years, there was always going to be a clan box set. <clears throat> I saw it. I saw it listed. It's pre. It's up for pre-orders. You know, like from from the same place that just pre-order anything. Um, yeah. You know, for those and, and, listening to us now, that's what it used to be: was a whisper on the wind, and we got our hopes up, and then it never happened. Or, you know, something would come up because they were often saying these things very far in advance of where the product actually was in development. And that that makes you very fragile. You know, again, I I work in marketing, so I'm always thinking about, like, 
how far out are we from this being a reality? And I say that to say this, with that April list, it was important. We didn't put anything on there that wasn't real, that was not in development. Yeah. And not you know, we had, or anything like that. We had done some work on, you know, not, hey, we'd really like to make blank. There's a lot of things we'd like to make. But. Well, from us having access and talking to you guys through the four or five years, however long we've been doing this, we've, we've gotten glimpses of, you know, yeah, we really wanted to do this, but there was just no money or China or this or that. And it was just, it just hung out there. Yeah. The number and, one killer of things like that, by the way, is priority. It's really just prioritization. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like I, I, when people ask why didn't something happen or something happen sooner, the answer I've learned, I had to learn this, because I assumed it was, you know, shifting desire or money or some other, you know, act of God kind of thing. Generally, the answer is priority. Something else came up that had to be done sooner. Um, for example, the Alpha Strike box set was kind of an insert. We had a calendar, but Randall really pushed for it. Um, he felt correctly that there was a chance to do it. We always wanted it. I mean, no one, it's one of those things where like, oh, should we do it? Of course. I mean, again, I wasn't there, but I assume people when they were first writing that Alpha Strike rules were like, we should do a box set. Um, but it was probably last fall, about little about this time maybe a little earlier last year where randall really felt strongly that with the force packs there was a chance to get it done um and made his pitch to lauren and really looked at it as the whole alpha strike line because the force manuals were a part of those discussions um violating my nda on stuff we've already announced so um, (laughs) i'm always checking right um you remember, you got to let me know on the timestamp when I got to edit stuff out. <laughs> okay, okay, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even say it if I. Like, <laughs> um, they they really looked at that holistically as like, can we can we really build this out and do it? And you know, Ray and I, our our biggest point of feedback was understand that, that something's going to have to shift because we 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 all of all of our developers, all our country, we're working at max, like just about max capacity. There are not extra people running around that don't have anything to do. Um, there, you know. It's, so when I say the number one killer of, number one delayer, I should say of product is always priority. Um, it's not that we don't want to do it; it's that it had to get bumped because yeah. there's a chance to get an Alpha Strike box made. Well, okay, that means we're going to have to. Sh- and this isn't the Kickstarter specifically; that's sort of a different track. But things like, um, you know, some of the source book work and things like that end up getting shuffled a little so it'd be easier in some ways it was just an act of god or like we just can't do this right now um but what i've seen kind of and i don't make those decisions even it's really ray randall um brent lauren that at the top sort of have to decide what takes what takes precedence when and yeah because then things kind of die through apathy right when it's always the second or third thing on the priority list and it just kind of stays there for you know in perpetuity and it's just like it it never happens not because it was never a good idea or anything but just because it never hit that top spot so it yeah that's where it lives i'm trying to think we don't have anything like that currently because i think we've gotten good about if we start putting something the wheels in motion on something it's probably going to happen 
simply because we don't have the resources, the people, I mean, to dedicate to developing something that might not happen. Their thing may get shuffled backward a little, but it's unlikely, like, we use, we have to use the whole buffalo, you know? Like, we, can't, <laughs> we, we can't just be like... Thanks for the title. Yeah. <laughs> the whole buffalo, I like <laughs> it. Well, like, yeah, because we can't <laughs> have, you know, vapor... I don't know how vaporware came to be in, in the FASA days or, or anything like that. I have no idea. But now, like, I couldn't task, like, I don't know, Joshua to to build something that we would then be like, mm, actually, we're just not going to put this out. This isn't going to work. <laughs> now, there's there's ways to do that if we ever did have to. Just from a development perspective, by the time we were having that conversation with him, we would, would want it to be real. You know, so I don't want anyone to think that there's like some treasure trove of like lost. There is the, the Comstar the how the Comstar house book is not <laughs> in any, <laughs> any crate somewhere. I swear to God, that would be an amazing book, though. <laughs> well, maybe let's give all the secrets. Ezra is my favorite. They're like, but why don't you go back and make it though? <laughs> well, maybe, oh, maybe you could, have, you could have you could have two books, right? You'd have Comstar, and then in the back of the book, flip the page and have Word of Blake, oh, right? Flip it upside down, yeah. Yeah. and oh, then hold, hold a light behind <laughs> it, and you get the Word of Blake book. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and I don't know if any of the the powers that be are gambling people, but maybe that's the approach you take to these uh, the the faction force packs and field manuals and stuff. Just be like, how fast does the alpha strike box set have to sell out before we just move ahead with with, with the, this plan you know just you know <laughs> if we sell planned, out this fast i mean we're planned pretty far out at this point and that was another thing that i know ray was pretty passionate about of really having a calendar and when we say shuffle priorities being able to do that in a real way and not you know sort of in theory, okay, this will go back, but that there's a month, there's a, you know, we're working. This all sounds like very, very basic project management and in some sense it is, but that we know like kind of where we want things to land going out at least a couple of years. And obviously, well, and as, I mean, as, as you get further out, it's a little murkier. You know, I know what the next six months look like a lot better than the next, you know, three years. And I mean, something else to keep in mind too. I mean, project management in general is an interesting and can be a difficult task but for a lot of you guys this is a secondary passion thing it's not a, a daily driver that you're making your living on and as we see time and again real real life happens right which I, I understand that you got dates on a calendar, but that does shift once in a while. So yeah, we try to we try to. One of the things I'm I'm always thinking about is redundancy, is making sure that we don't that we're identifying those possible those possible potholes, those those hurdles, um, both on team in terms of a team and with individual contributors. And just making sure that we're not putting too much pressure. Like, I don't want to put too much pressure on anyone who is sending clear signals like, I'm, you know, I have this going on or that. I'd rather manage it one-on-one. Just tell me up front. Yeah, you don't want to yeah. burn anybody out. No, no. And, and I mean, to your point, like, for a lot of folks, including myself, this is a, a labor of love. And 
you know, we don't, I don't want anyone to feel like they're alone in something and that one day they're going to get the email of like, where's the thing? Because that's also, <laughs> that's a failure of management and a failure of project yeah. management. If, if it ever did get to that point of like, what do you mean you're not going to have my thing on time? Well, why weren't we tracking it close enough to see that there were blockers in place for that person that we needed to try and help them with either by assigning another developer or, um, Signing to, for example, there's a very real example is Brush Wars. Um, it's under development by both Johannes and Eric Saltzman. And I thought it was important to put two of them on it rather than one person. One, because Johannes is doing the rec guides too, which is a meal in and of itself. But I also wanted to have the redundancy, the, the blend is a better way to say it, of, you know, Johannes knows how to get books produced. But Eric, who is a first-time developer with the Brush Wars series, is like, he comes out of the fact-check team, is fantastic with detail, and knows the lore. I mean, knows the lore. So, you know, trying to put both of them on it was a way to, in some sense, have redundancy, in another sense, have a blend where they would both be able to, to build on each other's strengths or, you know, have a... You get the best product, product available. Sure. And it worked out well because there were times where Eric kind of had to drive the bus a little more. Um, when Johannes was tied up with rec guide stuff or, you know, vice versa. And I think we're really trying to make sure that we're, we're helping. We're helping people get where they want to go and get what they want, get what they want to get out of being a contributor. Um, and not just like again that burnout because burnout's very it's so real um i think anyone any professional person has experienced it certainly seen it in the last couple of years um i live yeah. in the burnout <laughs> yeah yeah most <laughs> do i mean it's true and and you know i, I don't it sounds a little more like probably company oriented than i mean it but i you know i don't want anyone to burn out like doing this but we also are folks doing things for us that we don't have we don't have another person on deck back up like yeah. there we have a, a, a team is great our contributors are awesome but there are also one of ones there where you know we have to again a kind of a management perspective we have to be careful that we're not short term getting what we want and long term making these people never want to do any more because I don't I don't know. You, you, mean, would... you mean like the MUL issue? <laughs> well, that was a technological thing. That was a different thing. I wasn't going to bring that team. up. Well, he's, he's asked me about it before. So he wants to. I had to poke him a little bit. I had to poke him a little bit. I mean, well, yeah, yeah, you, definitely, a... you, you definitely don't want to have like single point failures where oh, there's no God. backup. Man, it's just one, one issue and you can't get it back. You you saw the drug addicts come out when the MUL was. Oh, dark. that was harsh. That was harsh. <laughs> there were some people <laughs> that we know. They're like, I don't. I need. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> what do I do all weekend? <laughs> I haven't made a list in three days. <laughs> Legit. Yeah, that was that was a. I told Andrew this on a, um, <laughs> a, a different call that. Um, that was a good example of something of like. We knew how important it was, but did we know? 
<laughs> no. My, I, can, I should only speak to myself that I understood it was important. I understood that people use it and that it's a key part of the play experience. Or I thought I did. And then that <laughs> was gone, and it was clear to me that, you know, there, it's an important... Re- like, I, I'm always interested in that stuff of, like, what do I know and what do I think I know? And, like, that was something that I thought I, I knew. I only thought... It turns out I only thought I knew it, if that makes sense. Like... Yeah. When you see yeah. it, and, like, that's something that needs a, a, a real... A lot of attention. It needs... Oh. Uh, it needs to be given, I think, the priority that it obviously holds for the, the players and the customers. You see that, uh, you see that type of, uh, change in eye opening when you have someone who works with product every single day and they're at the top of their game. They know exactly what's happening. And you have other people that, you know, can make decisions who have no idea what that person does or what's going on with that product or the process. And though that's the juxtaposition that has to be integrated so that you don't lose one or the other. Everybody, Everybody's a cog in that giant machine, and if you lose one, it can shut the machine down. And having, like you said, priorities, an organization that maintain the importance of every single cog, Otherwise, you lose it. Well, the, the, that was a technological issue that unfortunately is being, you know, the tech side is, is tricky. I've, I've interacted with the website, the, not the MUL, the, the BG, the Biotech website a lot. The store is a separate platform. You know, there's, it gets, it gets very company level, very deep, very quickly, which if it sounds like that, okay, great, but how, you know, are you going to fix it or not? <laughs> it's, it's more complicated where... of an answer than yes or no. Well, yeah. because a lot of it, like Ray and I can be told by folks like yourselves, Hey, that's down. It's a really big deal. But that only starts the process for us of figuring out who do we even talk to, to figure out what's wrong. Is that the same person who can fix it? If it is, what do they need to fix it? And going back to, do we have the ability to empower them with that, or do we need to get that from somebody else? And you know, all that takes time. So you know, I always think of those also... slides of like technical difficulties where like the dog has the cord in its mouth unplugged. I wish it were that simple. I mean, anything that Ray or I can fix, we generate, or any of the folks that are directly connected to us, we can usually get fixed pretty quickly. Once it goes beyond that circle, it can be very difficult because we don't always know what we don't know. We don't know who we don't know and what it needs to get fixed. So, you know, experiences like that are a good thing because it's it helps connect us with more people. Not that I wish for that sort of outage to occur, but it does have some benefits where we can now say, well, it happens again, we know how to fix it. Yeah, it shows you how widespread the uh, the the base is. <laughs> and in, in a, does, I was going to say, yeah, in, I mean, in a certain respect, in a certain respect, I'm almost in a in a secondary way of looking at it. I'm kind of happy that you had the pain to realize the success that's there. Yeah, I mean, no, no doubt, there's there are upsides. That said, I don't want to live my life 
under the like philosophy of no well now I know where the fire extinguishers are at least. Like Dude, what's in my world how to do that day in and day out? So, I don't want uh, to feel I don't want to feel pain to feel success. No, I, I, I think we can uh I, like I said, I, I think there are better days ahead for that. We just have to and again, if there are at least if there are outages, we know what to do. I mean, we have a better sense now of like how do we get this fixed a little quicker. Hopefully, now, now you got an SOP and a standard operating procedure. Well, what to do? We had our own version of Gray Monday, so there. there you go. <laughs> I, still, I still I don't remember who said it, but somebody was like, "Oh, this is all just to sell." Uh, uh, what? Oh yeah, the or the uh, the TRO for Dark Dark Age. Dark yeah. HPRO. It, yeah. it's, it's all publicity stunt. I liked that. Whoever came up with that, I remember There's who. So but... many easier ways than this. <laughs> well, it's yeah, very I don't, I, also not desirable for customers removing things they count on to get them to buy your stuff. <laughs> not, not in the handbook. Uh, I would have laughed so hard if, like, on BattleTech website, it was like, "Oh, by the way, TRO uh, Dark <laughs> Ages is fifty percent off." <laughs> You know, I always think about that when we release stuff that like I hope nothing happens. like I hope nothing happens that makes this a really like for so- I don't know what it could be, but something like that that would just be a bad look, you know. Yeah, release yeah. always release days always make me a little nervous. But. Speaking of release days. There's uh, some new products. There's a there's a book on the on the the list uh has a horizon. Quite... It's on a boat. It's on a boat? Dominions divided. Dominions divided. Yeah, it should be in soon. And that that's an example of something where it, it's gonna get pushed till just after the holidays because of the what I described, like the top of the call. Um but that's one I'm really, really we're really eager to have that out. I think a lot of people are second only maybe to the middle of the donut, uh Terra and, and what's going on around there. Yeah, one people I think are really like yeah, Tamar was yeah. Tamar was a success, but people didn't necessarily know what they were look in for with that. It was kind of just the first book, and yeah. it took off. And as people read it and played in it, they loved it. This one, people know what they're about with it. They know it's it's well, popular. Tamar was chaos. You know, it was yeah. it was all kinds of new stuff. Uh, Dominion's divided is going to be in the realms that we all know. So it's, it's, and it's the most like popular, historically the most popular ones. Yeah, three of the top. Yep. Well, from what I've I've heard of people who have seen it, and I've heard it's awesome. So really, so. really excited to get that in my hands. Um, I know all of us are really. I I I know I've told this many times before, but I do love the whole counterclockwise uh, or or the. The working towards, like you said, the the center of the donut hole. It's just building up so much uh, anticipation. Yeah, that I one, love it. We're we're breaking that. We're still breaking that book. Um, I we pretty much know what's what's going on, but there's um, I think with that one we're trying to be careful because there's a lot of setup. Not just the expectation. Yeah. You always feel well, the bar. You know, you have the, the bar of expectation you want to clear, but. Yeah. There's a lot with that that's going to dictate kind of the next couple things. Yeah, I, I think we want to make say, sure that it, it works. That, that one's going to be airtight because yeah. that one does. Like you said, Ilkland is now. I feel like this book or whatever it's called is going to launch that's into. The start. 
that's the start, start of the next the phase next number phase. two. Yeah. That's that's yeah. pretty yeah. accurate. And in some ways too, like our left us a lot of these this cycle, this clock of books has been the impacts of our playing out some of the stuff that our left us with, good and bad, indifferent, just playing out some of those threads. But obviously the middle of the donut book is the one that has to play out the most of them. And so there's kind yeah. of been a, I know with Jason, I, when we first started you know, talking about that one of, like what parts of it do we need to keep as is? What parts do we need to tweak? What parts do we need to try and actively, you know, re rework if any, um, without re-legislating that whole book? Like that book happened, it, it exists. Yep. We don't yep. want to go back and re-legislate the whole thing. We need to really look at it and figure out what can we take from it, and how do we want to use the different pieces, and where is it left us with certain things? Um, what other threads is it going to lead to? Yeah, well, I mean, Tamar was a direct result of that. The whole clan went to Terra. It's unequivocal in that book. So we can't, you know, you can't undo keep that. Your, you, you can't, can't keep undo that. Because yeah. there's going to be a vacuum there where they left. <laughs> sure. But now imagine that for, like, the part that's going to touch on almost everything. It, it gets... We've been very careful, if you've noticed, in a lot of the other books to not get too close to Terra. Even in fact, yep. the Alpha Strike box set is the closest we've gotten to it. I was gonna say that that's the closest thing I think we've ever seen. Yep. Which uh, raised a lot directly of related which, which, to which raised some interesting questions in my mind too. So of why, how, what's happening next? Because I won't spoil anyway, it, but yeah, I mean, we good questions, you know, good questions that are coming. It's funny the, the appetite that people do have for that, that what you're saying a minute ago that like, so we, we put out that it was going to be set near Terra 3152 post post ill clan with the Falcons and the Highlanders. People immediately went to, okay, so the Highlanders are getting annihilated. Like, no, they're just the two factions fighting. Like, this is only a comment or two in the form, so it wasn't like a widely held belief, but we're not whacking a major fact, like a major unit in a box set. But people were so, I get where it came from. These folks were so hungry for the, the dread of that oh. story. They, they would assume the next thing to come out from that area would be a big deal. And... If anything, while we gained some of the, you know, it is an old clan era box set, which is pretty cool. Um, if anything, that may have been a slight miscalculation that people, absent the whole source book explaining it, were going to assume that the very next thing out was going to be as epic and impactful, even if it's a box set with like yeah. a piece of fiction and some pilot cards. Um, so, no, I... in case anyone's still worried. Neither the Falcons nor the Highlanders are getting uh, annihilated. The red, the red line through them in a box set. It's just the I two factions. It. It's a meeting engagement. It's very simple. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's not yeah. the end of the world. I yeah. I just loved when I looked at I you know I wasn't even gonna like mention the the fiction in there when we we're doing the unboxing, but I saw thirty one fifty two and I'm like oh. Ho, ho, ho. The primer was anything, updated too. Anything thirty one fifty two. Yeah, anything 3152 is going to pique anybody's interest. Cause... I hope so. 
I mean, we. Oh, it's it's gonna be great. You know, we the the beginner box game armored combat are in the entry level products that they've been for a long time are set where they're set. But we, oh, with Alpha Strike, we really wanted to make it. I mean, Ray and I are always advocating, always for ill clean air stuff. Um, because just, correct me if I'm correct me if I'm wrong now, right? Tamar Empire. Dominions divided, and mm-hmm. the next book coming. The we've said, book. I think we've said the name. It's going to be called Ilkhan's Eyes Only. Ilkhan's Eyes yeah, Only. Okay. Yeah. I was um, going to say James Bond. All of those, all of those books, all the way around. That is mm-hmm. all the same time period, right? It's basically yeah. thirty-one fifty to thirty-one. It's, it's January. It, it's January thirty-one fifty-one to about June or July of thirty-one fifty-two. Okay. And there was an intentional place and, to cut it because there's something that's going to go out in July, July of 3152 that is going to spur. It, it's not like a major death or anything like that. It's it's just a thing that occurred. There's a, there's a point that will be in this book that everyone else will have to react to. So it made sense to cut the other books off before that. Because we hadn't, uh, quite, we hadn't quite figured out exactly how, to, how that would play. So we didn't want them reacting to it. We didn't, we didn't want them re- having to react to something we hadn't written yet. Right. Um, so that's why they go to about June. Um, the, where they start, it varies because some of it's covered in um, Il- the Ill Clan source book. There's like that little chapter in the back that covers the first couple months of 3151. But yeah, generally it's the same, the same time frame. Okay. Editor's note. Uh, remind he just reminded me that we have to get Schmetzer on here so I can yell at him for an hour and a half. Oh, that's fair. I'll set that we ha- up. We haven't had him on in a long time, so he I have a lot you, of. Did he? I have no, a lot of pent yeah. up rage. <laughs> a lot of pent up rage that I need to direct in his immediate Never direction. So. We don't really know that. Year. He got <clears throat> killed off screen. I was I killed off got, screen. There's no body. He got cashiered. Nobody's no. seen a body yet. There are no bodies after a strafing run. There's just no bodies. <laughs> Major Andrew Brawl lost his brother on Terra. Period. No, I guess that. What's well, not way. like? It's not like he was out wandering around and was like, "Aaron, where are you? Oh, well, I lost I my brother." I would think he would at least, you know, send a <laughs> fucking crow around or something like that. And why no, pop no. the hat? I guess I guess we know who the one star review of Redemption riffs is now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't just grow kernels on the tree or anything. I mean, jeepers. Well, oh you clone them. <laughs> you can clone them, I guess. Anyway, yeah, editor's note. We got to well, get Spencer out here. I got a bone to pick. Yeah. I, I just want to let you know, Aaron, that you you totally, like, I, I was interested in what was going to happen in Ilkhan's eyes, but um, now I'm really curious how, you, how that's going to leave off, because uh, if everybody has to react again to Terra, or at least that, I, now... Whew, I'm trying to think how to parse that. It's more that there is an obvious date with some communication that's going to be remembered. And to not have that, like, it just didn't make sense to have that, like, hinted at. And as we talked about, maybe, like, we go a little further in each of the books, and it's hinted at. But, you know, the logic of the universe right now, the Valtech universe, is so wacky. Because you don't... (laughs) 
there is no phone call that everybody gets at the same time. There's no robocall that goes out to every yeah. planet. Like, hi, this is your Ilkhan, Alaric Ward. It's an important <laughs> message about your car insurance or whatever. Like, it doesn't work <laughs> that way. <laughs> so, your fiefdom's insurance warranty is out of date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As, <laughs> as, like, Jason and others have reminded me all the time, and I've had to remind us, you know, there is no everybody react. So I misspoke a little bit. There is no a nation cannot react to anything right now, right? Because they're all going right. to hear about it at the same time. So what I really mean is, there's more like a rock dropped in the pond, and then the ripples start going from there. So that's what got uh, okay. tricky is when you start doing the ripple thing. Yeah, some folks are going to hear about it, it for three months, and others yeah. will hear about it within a week. So I just <laughs> well, figured, you know what? Let's let's put that all in Ilkhan's eyes and let that be the ending of that book, and we'll go from there. Because when cool when i thought that was an interesting part even back in uh tomorrow rising where um i mean this isn't gonna be a big spoiler or anything it's been out forever um but uh um like when uh calandre kell is like saying hey i know that the wolves won your your clan lost you know she's she's basically trying to get in the other commander's head but like it's a kind of like this compulsion of like oh now i need to go look at the date on this story to figure out okay on arc royal they're aware of what happened on this day at least somebody is maybe not everybody but um but but trying to figure out yeah how the news moves through the inner sphere is kind of like its own little game of like connecting dots we tried to play that game a little bit like jason Mm -hmm. wanted to try and map out like all right, so the major worlds were like he he actually figured out that it's it's like a two week. He didn't quite do it in concentric circles because you have to figure like the major planets with shipping routes. He didn't get quite that far in the weeds, but he factored about a two week delay between every step of world, so a major world to you know, he kind of worked that out, and we didn't yeah, want to recharge the jump, jump ship. What's that? Yeah, because it takes two weeks to jump, recharge and jump Never ship. Give or take, and then you start radiating from there. You kind of had a, a working version of it, but in general, we didn't get we didn't want to get too far into that because it creates fact check nightmares. It creates problems mm-hmm. of who knows what when. Yeah. Except in the story you mentioned, the Tamar Rising opening fiction, we thought it was we had to do it there. It was t- uh. kind of too cool an idea to be like <laughs> this guy is defending a planet, but like the morale impact of like no one's coming back for you. Like yeah. you're, you're lost. You're fighting for nothing. Like it's over. It was, um, it was too interesting to play out. Uh, I think it worked pretty well. You know, that somebody, it reminds me when we're working at empire alone and somebody asked like, well, why doesn't the wolf empire fall apart? Even though Alaric hasn't really communicated much with them. And the difference was he communicated with them at all. All you had to say was one sentence. We're the old clan. I took Terra. And that would be enough for what played out. Somebody in that, mm-hmm. somebody to act as regent. Because all he had to know was Alaric is going to come back. Or yep. I expect that he will. But when you look at Tamar, it's in Tamar Rising in a couple places where after a couple months, people just aren't hearing anything from Alvina. And they start making their own decisions. And they realize like, I'm never going to get punished for this. Basically, the only the um, you know merchants no started that way of realizing like no one's coming back to like yell at me for doing any of this. Like, I'm just going to do it. Um, all it takes is that one sentence to kind of hold enough of the wolf 
structure together. Um, depleted though it is. Yeah. So what I'm predicting is June 3152, Dao Xin Liao sends out a message saying, I am your first lord now. Could that be it? That'd be, that'd be fun. We've, I mean... we've, that was definitely a thread that we had to figure out. was like, there are several dozen Capellan regiments in the northern part right of Right on the nation. border. So yeah. what are they doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. Believe me, we've, we've thought of, <laughs> there's a reason this book went last and not first. Um, <laughs> one, because we wanted to get to some other places. And, you know, the Falcon OZ was the most obvious plate to drop onto the floor. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it sets the dinner tournament. table up so well. I mean, yeah. everyone gets familiar with the surrounding area before it all goes to shit again. <laughs> well, we felt like we felt like there had been a lot of Alaric time in the yeah. whole series of fiction, you know, because it wasn't just our, it was the whole run up to it. And that uh, even in Shattered Fortress, their Shattered Fortress has a lot of other, everyone gets touched on, there's a lot of factions. The, I mean, it's called Shattered Fortress for a reason. It's not, yeah. mm-hmm. I wonder what's going on in the backwaters of the Free Worlds League. It's, it's about, a Republic getting chewed up and, and setting on the stage for the old clan source book. So, you know, when you factor in all that, we're like, let's go look at something else for a while. New characters for this era. We really yeah. couldn't just have it be Falcons and wolves and some mercenaries. We really needed to create some new people. Um, we did. I, I think the books, I think this is a genius way to do that. Uh, I know it's a long time between books, but again, I've read Tomorrow Rising like two or three times now just to like, absorb I want to make sure what's going, absorb it. Absorb it. And yeah. I, I, you're, you're just building new people, older people, diehards and, and new people to, to know. Because like you said, uh, I can't remember who said it, but this is now the jumping off point for a whole nother, you know, we're getting into the weeds of clan, you know, this is going to be clan invasion, civil war, jihad moving from this point, you know, you're going to cover what, 30 years, something like that. Well, it's, it's an interesting deal because you're almost pushing, you're pushing reset on the universe yeah. and setting up what can happen going forward and we haven't had that in so long i think and... our big, yeah yeah big desire was to slow things down because we we're getting too big of a chunk at a time and yeah. you don't really get to follow characters that way either in fiction yep. or in source books or the characters you create and play in your your games you know raise big Big emphasis was to slow the setting down and create a real setting, create a place where with all of these source books and the donut filled, you know, the full clock face, you would now have that's 3152. That is what it looks like. That's what's going on. And when you look at what you guys have done, though, I mean, you have provided how many thousands of plot points that people can go and experience anywhere in the in the the sphere of planets um there's avenues to explore again that 
will move the fo- move us forward and not always going back to revisit something again. And part of that was, I've talked at length before, and as has Ray and others about wanting to keep the emphasis, put the emphasis back on the games. But part of it was, we just said about wanting, you know, it's going to be time between these books. And if it is, then they have to be dense. There has to be enough there to keep you playing there. If it's too thin, you're really going to feel like, all right, well, why aren't we getting back to the former Falcon OZ quicker? Right. You're not going to feel that way if you're still playing out and reading and, you know, working through that first book. If it's too thin, if it's not dense enough, or if it covers too much time, or you don't feel like you're anchored in it, you're just reading five years of history all at once. Um, it's going to feel like we're, that when's that next book thing is going to come up a lot more. At least we I think that so. was my biggest problem with Jihad. It was like 10 years <laughs> in between each. You know, it was just like we went from 3085 to 3120 something. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. What well, happened? When I think uh, the, the point you make uh, to Aaron, that it makes sense to me because I like I've long thought like Tamar and Empire. Um, what what about those like carried so much more for me than like all the old scenario books? Um, because but but that's I think that's exactly it. That there was fun scenarios. You got a little bit of a touch on what was going on there uh, or in that in that situation. But it does like you play through it once, and then you kind of go okay. You know, whereas with Tomorrow and Empire, it's very much more like, okay, so I did, I explored this angle of the book and now I can go explore this other angle and kind of keep going, whether that's my own whole campaign or, or whatever. So I, I think it's just a matter of d- a different set of tools. Well, I, I think our, and it's not just my philosophy. I think Ray, I know Ray and, and Randall too share it that, you know, the, the FASA scenario books were very prescriptive and very, they're both limited in scope. They're usually a campaign. If it was like Coventry or even just a battle, if it was like Twycross and they're very prescriptive, these people with the following names and gunnery skill and piloting skill in this exact variant of Mac based these four people in this exact map set. And you can do books that way. Battle to is more like that than it is, you know, one of these other source books, but I think there's a happy medium between covering too much history at once where it just feels like Encyclopedia of the Future, Volume 27, and feeling like it's a scenario pack where there's nothing for me to really explore here. It's just a bunch of instructions on how to set up a game and play it out in a certain way. We want to try and stay in the middle. I think the first two books in Dominions as well do that pretty well. It's set in a context. It has there is a point in history where this is happening. It matters. It's connected to something. It's not just a random raid on random planet. You know, you can be a part of, you know, Eric Sandoval Girl's task force fighting, you know, to take back Avian Worlds. But there is bandwidth within there where you are not particularly one this mech, this person, this unit fighting these four. You can make your own game. You can figure out what that looks like for yourselves. Um, so hopefully, you know, we can keep some of that, if not this exact form of source book or this exact methodology, we can keep that same pace, that same focus. 
it's obviously worked out pretty well so far so well, i'm for one super excited for everything that's coming out um dominions uh alpha strike box set i already have one but i can't wait for the entire public to get one because it's amazing um I'm excited, to, I'm excited to hear about i'm excited to hear everybody else's reactions on it me too yes, yes. It's it's gonna fly off the shelf so bad. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. No, it it, it, it <laughs> should. The G button reorder. <laughs> it, it really, really should. I if anybody, uh, yeah, if anybody's like, ah, do I need an Alpha Strike box set? Yeah. Yes, and yeah, so, do, so so do your kids, and so does your significant other. Yeah. Um. So does your mom and dad. Um, I want, anybody I want you know. It's for great for the whole family. Yeah, yeah, one. I mean, your coworkers—they're great office gifts. <laughs> and, and you get more did, train. Oh, that's What's like that? the—that's like oh, the yeah. most evil office gift to give. You're like, what? Is, what is this? And then they read hey. a little bit. They, okay, fine, I'll play with you. <laughs> great, great white elephant gift. You can steal yeah. it right back. Oh, you don't well, want it? I'll take it from you. It's okay. Uh, Phil, I'm going to need that back from you. <laughs> well, I think we could do a uh, you know, do a break, break at, at two hours. <laughs> Alrighty. Yeah, uh, Aaron, did uh, you want to uh, step off? Yeah. Uh, it's I pretty late for you. Probably should. Is there any lightning round? Any quick questions I can answer if I'm able or... I don't is think there so. anything that we missed that we didn't ask? That's that's oh. the big question. <laughs> yeah, what didn't we ask? Um, you, you guys are, are you going to be at LDO? You guys are you guys are always really good to us. So is uh, there something uh, that we haven't asked that we should have been? No, um, I know the other thing people are interested in. We had talked about was the mercenary force packs. They are in progress. Some folks have probably seen. Um, Anthony Scroggins, our director, has been posting some images of kind of the first few copies off off the uh printer um off the shipment i mean not printer like 3d printer like the print run um those should be i think early next year there were some delays involved and to you know when i say delays i mean I, I i just looked the other day i finished the edit on the pilot cards back in march for some of those so this wasn't a case where there was a priority shift on our end or we said something that wasn't quite real. I mean, we were we were working on those things at the time that we put them in that April coming soon post. And uh, here we are. So hopefully they will be out soon. <laughs> I know people are excited. The uh, From what I was looking at Anthony's post, the jump plumes look like they turned out exactly like we hoped. They look really good. They're, they're, they're modular. So you can Ooh, yeah. have the mech without the plume or you can put it on the plume and... That's Apparently, awesome. might not even need glue to hold it on the plume, which is sounds crazy to me, but I'll have to check it out sometime. Um, so those will be out. You know, those will be rolling out, and we are working on more. So what you're saying is we have to have a byline in uh, AS350 uh, 3.0. <laughs> if they're jumping, they're jumping. <laughs> you can't take them off. <laughs> I suppose so. I well, that was it was a real concern when they said, well, we might not be able to, you know, before we knew we could do modular. Like, well, we'll just put them on jump plumes. And Alpha Strike was very much a thought of like, well, line of sight game. You know, you're, you're, you're 
pretty serious incentivizing people from playing those. Uh, <laughs> they're just twice as tall as everything else. <laughs> seems bad. But at least it goes both ways. Yeah. You're going to be at LVO? Uh, myself, no. I'll be at PAX Unplugged. Um, sure, December. the one we're not going to. Oh, well, well, yeah. Um, possibly Adepticon in March. So We will be there as well. So bring a 350 list so you can play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Would, really that, would be, that would be cool as hell. I want we'll to. I mean, I'm, I'm always for organized play. I'm, I'm a fan. We'll take Masters be... of Minions to a whole new level. <laughs> I'm the master now. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Who's your daddy? <laughs> I'm sure whatever list I show up with, that would be basically accurate. I'm... Not Ill Clan Merc. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Quick, write that down. All right, Cubby, thank you very much <laughs> for, right, uh, for joining Appreciate us. Your time. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you so much. Anytime, y'all. Take care. Oh, hey, hold on. Before you go, yep. do you have any shout outs? Do you want to do a shout out because Aaron can move it to the end of the end of the deal if you want? I could, but I won't. <laughs> Fair. I would, I would just give a shout out and appropriate for the end of the year, the holiday season, to, to all of our contributors. The, the, these guys really, you mentioned it earlier. These guys, you know, they really do. It's a labor of love. They give a lot, a lot, a lot. And the level of thought and care that goes into it is it it really does amaze me. And I know that's like a nice thing to say, but it's true, too, because, you know, it's it would be easy to get caught up in. It's my idea or it's what I always wanted to do if I ever got to do something for Battletech. But the level of collaboration the level of care and, and thoughtfulness we see day in and day out from this group is, is and fact check um, our editors, you know, writers, developers, everyone really does work together very well. Um, and it just wouldn't be possible to make as much stuff as we are, or I think the level of quality of stuff we are um, if they couldn't do that. So I guess it's my, it's kind of a general shout out, which is the lame like Oscar, acceptance <laughs> i can't i don't have time to thank everybody you know who you are um i don't want to i really don't want to name names and make anyone feel excluded um i'm just really grateful um you know ray and i have been fortunate um to be where we are at this time in BattleTech's history um but it's really because of the folks we work with um they're just awesome really really awesome well okay. said Aaron, thank you again so much for your right, time. Yo. I appreciate it. You bet. We'll talk to you soon. You have a good night, bud. Have a great evening. Take care. Yep. History Brief. And with that, this History Brief brought to you by... Aries Games and Minis. On this episode of Wolfnet History Briefs, cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. Hello Wolfnet and welcome to this installment of Wolfnet History Briefs, where we look at what happened this month in the Battletech timeline. I'm Gideon. Let's go. We begin in the city of Harlech, on the planet Outreach. The date is the 18th of October, 3067. And if that date and location doesn't send chills down your spine or curl your fists in anger, well Wolfnet, there's some studying to do. That is, of course, the place and date where one of the greatest commanders to ever pilot a mech, Jamie Wolfe, died defending his home against the word of Blake orchestrated assault. 
While Wolf's death deserves a history brief all its own, we will instead be focusing on what happened immediately after his death was discovered. The call to set condition feral was made and the dragoons from across Harlech rallied to Wolf's last known position, just outside the rubble of the hiring halls which, only days before, had been a bustling center of activity. After setting a defensive perimeter around the lifeless, yet still standing archer, the dragoons went about the work of clearing their planet of invaders. The fighting that followed on outreach was bloody, barbaric, and also well known. Condition Feral saw to that. For those unfamiliar, Feral is a status first developed by the dragoons after multiple treacherous battles where it was unclear who was ally and who was enemy. Feral is simple and commands just as the name implies. Anyone not belonging to the Wolf's Dragoons is a potential threat. Any possible non-hostiles may be given exactly one brief opportunity to submit to all demands from the Dragoons. Failure to do so makes them a threat. And finally, all threats will be killed with extreme prejudice. The simplicity of the orders lay bare the horror of war. There are no euphemisms. Enemies are not neutralized, detained, or rendered combat ineffective. They are assaulted until dead. A mech warrior in a destroyed mech needs only a new mech to become a threat once again. And on outreach, the dragoons saw to it that they would never have to face the same opponent twice. There is a common misconception that the order to set condition feral applied only to the fighting on outreach. But 40 light years away, and 11 days later, the effects of feral continued to be felt by any who aligned with those responsible for the death of Jamie Wolfe. For a less known, but just as brutal example of feral, we go to the planet New Canton on the 29th of October. After four months of careful planning, the final seconds counted down toward the start of a stealthy smashing grab by the secretive elite force known as the 7th Commando, the direct action force known to straddle the line between espionage and special forces. Their target was data being stored in the HPG station held by the Word of Blake, who by this time had been clearly implicated in the attack on outreach. Major Korminsky, the senior officer, received word of Jamie Wolfe's death moments before commencing the mission. For the two points of power armor infantry, nothing changed, yet everything was different. Rather than using Korminsky's mech attack to pull away the station's primary defenses and sneaking into the compound with the use of their Nighthawk power armor's impressive stealth capabilities, the infantry went in blazing. Initially, the attack followed what one might expect of a highly trained and motivated force assaulting a position crewed with unsuspecting defenders. The commandos quickly overwhelmed sentries and initial response forces before the assault point gained entry to the HPG, while the second point provided overwatch and secured the exfiltration route. It was just outside the targeted computer room that the darkest moments of the raid took place. Throwing smoke to cover their advance through a long hallway, the Sevens were met with Blakest office workers trying to flee the smoke and the fire they assumed had broken out. The squad fired down the corridor until their weapons melted in their hands. No weapons were ever identified among the Blakists, but it did not matter. Feral was clear. 
any threat must be killed. And on an existential level, there was no greater threat to the Dragoons than the conviction, cunning, and ruthlessness of a Blake disciple. The bloodshed did little to douse the anger burning within the Dragoons, however, which would soon lead to the aptly named Operation Vengeance. But that will have to wait for a different history brief. This is Gideon signing off, and remember, those who fail to learn from history are doomed. And that was the History Brief with Charles Gideon, brought to you by... Aries Games and Minis. Oh, it sounds so I, much better when you do it. I, I, I feel awesome. like I'm just like a, a, a trained, trained pet at this point. Speak, <laughs> Gideon, speak! I'll send you some... I'll send you some kiblets. Oh, well, then, then it's all worth it. <laughs> oh, I, I still have something for you, too, yet that you haven't gotten. Actually, several oh. things. Oh, so that'll be fun too. To is it, keep, it is keep... this Christmas gift from three years ago? <laughs> no, I actually send mine. Oh, oh. you, Stop. you! I'm breaking the rules and cursing Damn. you out because I'm a Damn. horrible person. I admit that. Damn. We're, all, we're all horrible in God's eyes. Bus Andrew and uh, around the community. So uh, a nice huge update with apparently over 800 changes. Some typos. Mul yeah. updates and changes. Yep. Not quite was... ding dong. The witch is dead. But I love at least this little baby step in the big scheme of things of another update. It's awesome because then we can change all of our lists over again. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, have to go back to the MUL and make new lists. Oh. That's what we want anyways, right? It's the feeling, so, the need. For reference, for those of you who don't know and living underneath the rock, the MUL, Master Unit List, got a huge update of points, uh, point value changes. Uh, in particular, uh, there have been some uh, infantry, infantry units that got uh, heat heat one for their plasma weapons yep uh, a lot um, of units have had their short and medium ranges changed increased or decreased i would say a minimum amount i mean c- considering the scope of mul <laughs> um but the big kicker jump strong has finally been point value corrected now whether we believe enough or not enough but it has been corrected well, uh, it had not necessarily corrected, but there's a, now a calculation involved in giving PV value to um, a, a Jumpstrong unit. So uh, it is very, very thankful that people have listened and that there was some thought that was a good thought, good discussion that was put into it, and that it has been rolled out. It's uh, it was a needed thing. Um, thank you to the MUL team. Thank you. Um, really appreciate uh, you guys listening, going through all the extra work, and and getting that update put in. That uh, it, was awesome. It's just an iterative thing to make the game better, and it is very much appreciated. Thank yes. you. Very Turkina of you. Very grobbly. Since Tommy's <laughs> not here. Since Tommy's not here, yeah. Um, call. So yeah, if you have a 350 list, 
you might want to go back and remake it and see if it is actually 350 points. Because it probably won't be. I had one that was off by one. Sadly, a field <laughs> medic had to take uh, take the dive and uh, has been now, you know, demoted uh, to rear field medic. <laughs> but um, definitely go back, remake your list, check it out, because a lot of stuff has changed. And for the better, uh, these are these are welcome changes. It means that things are being updated the way they should be. Uh, it's not just like, here it is and play with that. You know, it's, it's like Andrew said, I think we've been one of the higher proponents of, Hey, this needs to change. And they did it. So thank you very much for that. The question is, (laughs) did they go far enough or not far enough? Well, further further testing, you'll further testing. You'll see that. Every, everyone has, everyone has ideas. Everyone has thoughts, feelings, whatever on it. Um, I am, I am taking this as no matter what a positive, right? Uh, disagree, agree. We were able to affect change for the better and, uh, it, it's moving the ball forward. So, uh, making the game, making the game better. Yeah. We'll let it shake out, see what happens. I mean, we've, we've had good, spirited conversation and (laughs) the awesome thing is is that it's um received we have a really good give uh give and take uh back and forth and we'll just continue to iterate that's that's the awesome thing about all of this now so for those of you who are wondering now that jump strong has been i don't know if it's quote-unquote nerfed it's been adjusted but if the 350 rules, the Alpha Strike 350 rules, as printed in its entirety, uh, will be getting rid of the jump strength uh, rule Limit of, two. of two. And the one thing that we hold higher than anything else at WolfNet is playtesting, playtesting, playtesting. So as of right now, no, the the or yes, the the rule of two is still in place for the total value of jump strength allowed in an army. We are going to be putting this to the test to see where, if we don't allow that, where does it fall? What do the points look like? What units can you field if there is no restrictions? This is all going to be play tested to the nth degree um, because we feel like things need to be balanced in a tournament format. Uh, absolutely but um we don't so one of (laughs) one of the things that uh i I had we had iron gauntlet this weekend and uh two good longtime players here from my play group um bob mahoney and and steve lesky uh made the trek out to uh to play uh love having individuals who are, are good with the format and are good teachers and Steve, I had, I had a really interesting conversation with Steve um, late Friday night. Of course, we were up too late and in, in talking. But he was giving me a rundown of Malifaux, which was a game system that had a pretty good following. And one of the things that their players were very cognitive of, and 
I am coining it and I'm going to steal it just shamelessly, is the NPE, a negative play experience. And that is something that I hadn't ever heard it put that way before, but it's something that really resonated with me and what we're attempting to do is ensure that people are enjoying the game. And we had some other spirited conversation amongst us. And um, Charles, I absolutely loved your comment about the 350 rule set. And um, it's a similar, uh, uh, being compared to a similar rule set. I'm going to, I'm going to let you take that one because I don't want to steal it from you because it was awesome. Oh yeah. Well, I, I hope I remember how well I said it then. Um, but, um, kind of in, in all of the different, the, the broad spectrum of rule sets. Um, and I think the examples I used were, uh, like chess, which hasn't had any like major significant changes in a hundred years or whatever, but, um, or like 40 K where there's like an iterative every year, there's something new, um, coming out, uh, or faster. I, I'm not a huge 40 K expert, but I, I do know that people talk all the time about new additions coming. Um, but I would, I, I would like 350 to more veer towards the, the chess side of things where it is a solid, like well thought out thing that you can pick up in an afternoon. Um, but then spend countless hours, weeks, you know, tons of games, tournaments, trying to find the bottom of, of the, those rules and how, how, how you can best play it. Um, because I, I think that there is enough to alpha strike, um, and the 350 rules are open enough that no matter what you play, somebody else can counter it with something. And you're just, it's going to be a game of constant, like, uh, new idea for uh, attack, and then there's going to be a new counter and a new attack, new counter, and we'll just. I would like to explore that just as deeply as we as we can, um, rather than try to push this idea of always a new, you know, always a new thing. Because I don't want people to uh, ever feel like they don't know what's going on next. Or, oh, which edition are you playing of 350? You know, like, I, I want people to be able to say, yeah, it's 350. And we can we can pick it up and play and not, not pull up, uh, like, 50 erratas and, you know, we'll, this is the newest version or whatever. But that, that's yeah. me kind of getting on my soapbox. But Well, and what that does is when you have a solid state of rules and a solid state of of the game state, it increases those who are tactically and strategically better. You know, the, it's always going to be an RNG game, right? The luck is with the dice. But what we're trying to create is a way that you can elevate your gameplay with repetition, strategy, tactician, you know, tactical decisions, using your list to the to the fullest, not like well, I've got this thing, and that's going to give me an edge. I we want to we want to be able to elevate a skill level of a player, not I have more of this stuff. I was able to weaponize math, therefore I win. Yes, yes. We're trying to create a rule set in a game where skill 
you know, a player can rise because they're good at the game. Not because of what they have, because what they have should be balanced against everything else. It's how they play the game is what elevates a player to an elite status. That's what we're looking for. That's that's our ultimate goal. Like See, and that, and and that goes to you know what we talked about with uh, Aaron earlier in the in the podcast too. We had half the field. We had fourteen people show, and we had half the field. At least half the field was were new players, and repeatedly, what I had heard and from a couple different players was, "How do I get started?" Right. We are building a rule set, and, and I've heard people say that a premier level tournament should not worry about new players. Uh, I disagree wholeheartedly with that. If you cannot attract new players to your format, why are you doing it? Game's going to die. Right? If, you can't inc- if you can't let new players come in and get a taste and have fun doing it enough to, they lost every game that day but they're still excited for the next event because I learned so much today and the community helped me and I understand what I'm doing now. Now I want to try it again because I learned and I met new people and I want to see them again. That that's what we're building. And to be quite to Frank, that's the success we're having, right? Our community is second to none. I will put them against anyone. Um, we have some of the best people ever, and that is why our community continues to grow. Is people are out there and they are doing it. Like I heard, I had a great conversation with Mario the other day, and he he asked me whether I could give a shout out. And I'm, I we we met this individual at Battle Barn this year. Um, and he had a blast at Battle Barn. That was his first event. But he's gone back home, and he's running 350 demo games for his community. Um, Matt Soboda, uh, I wanted to give you a shout-out and say thank you. Um, I am so thrilled to hear that you had enough fun and that you went back home to teach others how to play. That <laughs> That's what we're doing this for, right, is to give people the vehicle to be able to build a community and have like-minded people to play this game. Um, going back to Iron Gauntlet, right? We had seven, uh, you know, seven, eight new players. Uh, I want to give a, I'm probably, I'll, I'll do my shout outs a little later. Um, we did four rounds. Uh, we did King of the Hill. We did, uh, stand, uh, not stand up fight. We did uh, headhunter, headhunter, um, overrun. domination, overrun, and domination. Um, one of the experiences we came back with, we might, we meaning our group here, might need to go back to overrun a little bit and and tweak that a little bit. There was some confusion there on on how to make that work, and we can talk about that later. But, um. Overall, everyone had a really, really good time. Um, that community is is set to go. Um, they had, you know, six of the guys that were there were, were local game guys that they get together on a regular basis. So uh, hopefully they'll 
take 350 and, and go to the next deal. Um, we've got uh, Crawl Sisters a go-go, uh, our birthday weekend coming up. Um, Burnsville uh, Dreamers Vault here in Minneapolis has uh, graciously said they would host our event. Um, I've got a link. Uh, we drink repost. there? No, I don't think so. Because they do have children that come in. and it's juice, a juice bar it. Juice bar it. Just, juice bar it. Juice bar. Um, I'll have a but, lot of coffee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I at? Uh, Crawl Sisters a go-go. That is December 3rd here in Burnsville, uh, Minnesota at Dreamers Vault. Thank you to Dreamers Vault for uh, agreeing to host the the ruckus that will be the birthday weekend. Um, little brother Aaron turns 40 years old this <laughs> year. So me and um, my mustache will be there. Nice. Bring your bring your reading glasses and canes to give him a hard time. <laughs> getting old. Um, after Crawl Sisters a go go, uh, we're looking at uh, Las Vegas Open. Uh, we are over the moon to be able to go and do 32 person tournament at LVO. Uh, oh, there's one ticket left. I heard there's, there was one <laughs> ticket left and I, I just, I want to get this out there for everybody. So they understand we're kind of setting expectations. Um, we initially set up, so we have, uh, 16 four by six tables and, our initial run was, or I'm sorry, we have eight tables, yeah. eight four by six tables that would give us 16 players, one table, one, one mat per table, right? And those initial 16 tickets sold out in 23 hours. Yeah. And we had the organizer come back and we had a couple other conversations and in our excitement and haste to get as many people as we possibly could to show up and, and participate in, in our first official catalyst um, demo team event. event. It will be a catalyst demo team event at LVO. Uh, we opened up in, <laughs> we are going to be shoulder to shoulder. We are. Yeah, it's going to be tight. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Real four tight. By six, four by six table is uh, our, our map size width is 36 inches. So that's, that's a uh, <laughs> that's two maps per per table uh, with not a lot of room. So make a better smile. We are going to be friends at the end of that. Hopefully, <laughs> everyone will be friends when we are done. Um, as in Gen Con, make sure that you bring deodorant and you shower, and you know you're very nice to the person next to you because we are going to be close for a day. Gum. Um, but we are over the moon excited to be there. Uh, we're really looking forward to it. We are getting terrain uh sold out at 32 tickets Started we are sold out yep i'm yep. 32 we are at 32 so we got oh. one ticket left last i heard that was last week so it could huge, be sold i don't know thank you to everybody who's going first of all that's well that's... the fact the fact that those tickets flew out the out the cart is awesome it's it's an honor and a privilege to know that people will spend that kind of money to go to Las Vegas just to come to play our game. Um, that is, I don't know how to say thank you. And I don't know how to say that we're more 
to to have that outpouring of, of we'll make it we'll make it worth your time don't worry about we it. will we will do our <laughs> best to make sure that we have a good time so we'll try to keep you away from the colorado guys but there's a lot of them going so there's a there's a there's a contingent <laughs> of colorado guys coming so goddamn flock of them <laughs> do you guys rent a bus Are you guys all just gonna show up at once or what <laughs> there's a there's a few of us that are going to carpool but um we've got a few flying so all right you should trickle in trickle in all right yep um after after lvo i think we get into is that where you're gonna have the genghis go ahead yeah um so february 25th um there will be a uh 350 tournament uh 24 spot tournament at Genghis Khan uh in Denver um so yeah February 25th so it's the Saturday of, of the convention um which is held at the Hyatt Regency Conference Center um go over to the website for Genghis Khan to order your badge and all of that stuff but uh the event itself is free I am quite sure um so you just got to buy your badge um and come well but buy your ticket which is free, but buy your tickets so that way we know who's how many people are going to be there. Um, I I'm on I'm not sure if I'm playing or organizing uh, at this point or helping organize I should say. Um, but uh, yeah. Oh, and also if you're in the Colorado Springs area, we're going to be doing a uh, kind of a low key casual tournament on December 10th at Gamers Haven uh, in the Springs. So. Um, basically it is the, uh, a, a lot of folks wanted to have an event where they could shake out their LVO lists before LVO. So December 10th, um, we're going to have a, a little get together. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's not a convention or anything. So you don't need a badge. It's just a $5 entry fee, um, to basically, uh, uh, which I think goes towards pride support, all that stuff. Not, not big details, but December 10th. So that puts us in February, um, March, the, the following month. Uh, as I hear right now, we will be running a 350 tournament at Adepticon. Uh, last I heard, we will that will be taking place on Friday. Um, so be on the lookout for that. I don't know if that is actually live on Adepticon's site yet or not. Uh, but we will be there. Um, they are also weekend. debuting the mercenary Kickstarter at Adepticon. So Adepticon, the launch of the Kickstarter will uh, happen at Adepticon uh, from Chaos Game Labs. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, that will be a, a a party. That should be a good time. Uh, and then after that, because March we're at Adepticon, um, April uh, we kind of have to do the third annual Rumble on the River, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll have to find a place to fit that in. Um, <laughs> then we get into the the summer, and we will be at Gen Con. Uh, we're talking about possibly trying to make Origins. I think Origins was June, first weekend in June. When's the Rocky um, Mountain Oysters? Um, oh, so for, for those of you who... Uh... <laughs> wondering what Aaron's talking about. Um, uh, Frontline Games, uh, the, the people who host uh, 
LVO, um, released their uh, calendar schedule, their schedule for 2023. Uh, it includes an event in Denver. Um, so there's a lot of Denver folks out here who are curious if there's going to be an official 350 tournament there. And I think it's going to depend a lot on um, kind of how things line up time-wise. Um, because if it's going to be competing with Adepticon or too close to Adepticon, I, it's still five months, four months away. So <laughs> we haven't th put a whole lot of thought into it, but it, it there, there may be, uh, an, another event at, uh, RMO Rocky mountain open. Yeah. Rocky mountain. Where is, uh, what's Cherokee open? Where is that at? I just, I just pulled it up and, oh, I can click on it. Never mind. I, I'm oh, pretty sure it's not graphic. in Cherokee, Iowa. No, unfortunately, because that would be way cooler if it was. Um, so, no, that's that's excellent. Uh, I was hoping maybe I could try and lobby him to come to Minnesota, but um, well, I know yeah. we've said it before, but 2023, we're really pushing for it to be the year of the 350. Um, we feel like we have a solid enough foundation that is a rule set that we can take this on the road other people can can pick it up and run it and be successful um we're really looking to uh i mean as far as i know i i know this was ran uh, i want to give a huge uh, uh shout out to dave cook over in the uk he had his first 350 tournament i think he had five or six players show up wasn't quite the event he wanted but um Hey, they showed up. They had a great time. Yep. Um, It'll he, be bigger the next one. He sent me a ton of pictures. And again, the miniatures were great. Everything was painted. It looked fantastic. Everyone had a good time. Um, unfortunately, don't send things to the UK uh, through the mail because they don't show up on time. I sent them a nice little gift package first uh, of October, and it's yet to show up yet. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Canterbury, uh, England, get your shit in order. God damn it. Don't make me pull out the English accent again, because I will. Oh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but um, I've heard there's games being run in uh, Germany. Uh, so, uh, I'm pretty happy with where we're at. 2023 is going to be a big year for us, so... You all know where to find find us uh, to to get the latest information on where we're going to be, where we're going to be at. Um, we're looking to expand the map, so hopefully you guys are uh, hearing whispers of 350 being played in your local game stores. If not, be the one that starts that local whisper. Um, make a flyer, post it up. The Alpha Strike box set's coming, so that's gonna that's gonna be huge. Huge help. This thing is only going to continue to get big. Yeah, I, I feel like every year Coach says this is going to be the year of Alpha Strike and 350. And I, I, I'm, you're, you're, you're not wrong. It, it always has been. It's got to be <laughs> just, one of these years. It, it just, <laughs> it, but it just keeps growing. So just watch. I everybody did. will run. Everybody will run a 350 tournament except for us. <laughs> yeah, it, I did. I did forget to mention um, Ron Ploger 
was at uh, oh, Iron yeah. Gauntlet, and he reminded me that uh, Evercon is happening in Rothschild, Wisconsin. Uh, Jan- January 21st, uh, he will be running a, I, I want to say, 12 or 16-person 350 tournament. Um, that will be the second year that that will have been run. Oh, and he's okay. got some really interesting things. I mean, he's got a, he has printed mechs that are two, two and a half feet tall. He's doing a big diorama. He's, he, he's going all out. It looks fantastic. So it, oh. if, if, if LVO wasn't the next weekend, I would be there, but, <laughs> um, I won't have any terrain cause it'll be, it will hopefully be in Vegas by that point and waiting for us to have a good time. So. All right. Well, shout outs. Well, before shout outs, oh. I want to announce that the Wolfnet radio podcast Ooh, has right. finally achieved the 100,000 download mark. And because this episode isn't going to be released until probably Tuesday, I'm pretty sure we'll hit it because we're only 40 away right now. <laughs> but I am going to be Nostradamus and predict that we have passed the 100,000 download mark in our four-year run as a podcast. Four and a half, five. Oh, fuck, I don't even know anymore. It's over four. Yeah, But... um. That's huge for us. Thank you so much. That's uh, that's been a, we've been kind of keeping an eye on it, and uh, we're finally here. So, well, not only not only are we at a hundred thousand uh, downloads for the podcast, uh, we've been doing a campaign to uh, get a thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. Again, thank you to everyone for doing that as well. That gives us. Uh, some new abilities for being able to deliver um, video content. and content. show content for for you for all of you. So, thank you for for making that mark um, for us as well. And for those of you who aren't a YouTube subscriber yet, we do weekly streams uh, called Thursday Night Throwdowns, where we play 350 games between myself matt bloodbath barons and tommy silency raven krueger who needs to get a shorter call sign but um yeah uh if you want to if you want to watch we've drastically updated our uh streaming capabilities with the help of one sean diablo goolsby uh and uh we have uh kind of broadened our com- commentator range to in- include a couple of fellow podcasters. Uh, the Valhalla Club uh, Bourbon has been on as a commentator and the On the Origins of Battle Mechs. Again, too long of a name, but uh, Chandler Reller has been great as a commentator <laughs> as, all- as well. Um, so, Oh, I don't know if I would go great. He's he's there. As long You're as the one on- that... You're the one that's the problem, Andrew. As long as they stay on topic. I did really good the last one. You did very good. It was the first one that I kind of struggled with. I got. I also want to mention. uh, Thank you to Metal Ed as well. He's also one of the the better better commentators who likes to rein us crazy people in. So, um, again, we're still in the learning stages, so it's not a completely refined product, but we're getting better with every Thursday night. So. Be sure to join us. 8.30 Central 
on Wolfnet Radio YouTube. And subscribe. <laughs> Smash Shout the out. Let's go. I, I, I found out at 10,000 subscribers, you get that cool YouTube plaque. And I really want one. Do we all get one? I don't even know if there's 10,000, like, battle mech. Uh, no, we don't all get one. I get one. <laughs> I'm paying no, the there, internet. <laughs> there's there's, there's 16,000. Well, I mean, Is there? the Kickstarter had 16,000 backers, so... Well, there's 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 people out there, and I mean, look at uh, Black Pants Legion. They've got oodles of people subscribed to their YouTube channel. But well, what are we doing wrong they're, then? They're really. What cool. are we doing wrong? They're, Let's have really that conversation, cool. and, and we're not. <laughs> well, if maybe if we had text uh, commentating on your guys' games, then maybe we would get that many. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> I we can do that. on your ass. We can I will do reach that. out and ask him. I will reach out and ask oh, him. Oh, that, that poor guy. Really he's so busy. Cool. Yeah, I know, but... He, he doesn't have any time to watch us play games. He's not doing anything on Thursday nights. because he's nights. a fabulous human being. We'll do that. Anyway, shout-outs. Andrew, would you like to lead shout-outs? I will lead the shout outs. I got to give a shout out to Alex Fairbanks for organizing a gauntlet at Noble Knight games this past weekend. Uh, he, he, Hey, I want to run a three fifty, and I got people coming. Can you come out and run it? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I can, I can do that. Uh, we, he was going to try and shadow me and kind of understand everything of what was going on. And we ended up having odd people. So, uh, as the good, tournament organizer he is he he joined into the tournament so that we didn't have a buy and that we were always playing so uh and then had to drop the last game (laughs) because we had somebody that had to leave so it's uh uh, the life of a tournament organizer it sucks but uh no fun for you (laughs) i really appreciate uh him putting it together and, and just having a great group of great group of guys we should really um, do an episode devoted to TOing. That might not be a bad idea. We should mental thought. Mental thought. Uh gotta give a shout out to Lee. Lee was one of the workers at Noble Knight Games. Uh just straight up awesome dude. He uh he was a Battletech fan. Uh <laughs> he I, I posted a picture on Facebook. He during his shift while he was working um got a a a statuette a a pinolf and they had a metal urban mech in the store that he mounted to the top and painted gold and gave it to us as the first place trophy and it's it's corny and cheesy and at the same time total awesomeness like i want to almost do that for every tournament now just because it's freaking cool so uh lee thank you not only that but then he was like hey you're here let's do a uh tour holy noble night games is way huger than you will ever ever imagine it was a tour yeah we got a tour of the facility at noble night and he got took us back in the warehouse I said warehouse. They're adding on another 30,000 square feet. But it was racks and racks and racks in a warehouse of games can, that can they we, buy. And, can that can they we buy bother and, and all take a tour together? I'll make that happen. <laughs> Are they it was unbelievable. Center? 
they buy and sell used games. Oh. Forty percent forty percent of their shit is mm. is shipping and most of their business is overseas. Is it is absolutely unbelievable the amount of stuff that is in that place and the fact that they're expanding. That building was purpose-built when they moved. They got a great little game store on the front. To blow out the side of the wall. But as soon as you step back behind the curtain, that is a well-oiled machine. It was, I was astounded on, on what they were doing back there. It was Damn. very... Very cool. Uh, I got to give a shout out to Sam Gaskell, the winner of Iron Gauntlet. Yay! And at the same time, and at the same time, I want to shake my fist at Sam for <laughs> the just absolute bonkers list that he brought. Um, this, I believe, is the second tournament that he has won, and I believe this is the second or third time that he has brought only a two hundred list. His list was 200. He did not swap anything. He did not change anything. He played a 200 list every scenario with no change. So he met our challenge. And uh, I, I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him too much. Uh, I, heard for, I heard second or third hand that Sam said he put about 10 hours of thought into getting the list together that he did. And uh, when... It shows. When, when his dad sent it to me to get uh, to get Verified. validated, I went, "What the hell is this bonkers bullshit that he's doing here?" It was impressive. It was very impressive how he handled how he handled himself and how he handled the game. So, um, hats off to uh, Sam for winning. And fuck, um, fuck social studies. <laughs> 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 I got the MU all on my phone. <laughs> all right. And then I, I shouted out Matt Sabota earlier. I'll just give him one more quick one for uh, getting out in the community and teaching 350. Really, really appreciate it. Ever need anything, you know how to reach us. And um, hopefully I don't start breakdown here. I got to give a shout out to Catalyst Game Labs. Um, I saw that. Uh, Shit, I just closed the screen. Uh, during the, they, they had the mercenary um, lance packs came out and we were seeing some various different um, mechs. And one thing that uh, was shared by another one of the members of the CDT was they created um, a pilot card for Craig Goolidge, who recently, who passed away this year, just an absolutely outstanding individual within the cdt membership and uh an all-around awesome dude if we could all be like him our world would be a much better place and i will leave with a quote that's on his card um and this sums up craig to a t measure your strength not by the arms you wield but by the bonds you forge That was awesome. That's it. Well said. That was awesome. Way to go, Catalyst. I got to follow that up. Aaron. (laughs) Go ahead. And and they put him in his Highlander, so that's even better. Fucking asshole. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
Um, I'm going to shout out Sean Goolsby for tackling the monumental task of uh, streaming all of our Thursday night uh, throwdowns. Him and I have been working a lot on trying to make everything better and how to get that as seamless as possible and as much information as we possibly can. And yes, I know he yells at us a lot. <laughs> we will try to do better, Sean, at announcing damage. I promise you. <laughs> um, I want to thank uh, our basically everyone on our Discord channel because... I recently joined a Tuesday night fight uh, battle, which we started years ago uh, as uh, as just a way for everyone to get together and play Mega Mech uh, on Tuesday nights, have fun with it. Mario has done an excellent job in creating new fun and and crazy scenarios to do and everybody to have fun. I uh, I joined and it was just like, Falling back in with the guys that you haven't seen in in twenty years, it was it was awesome. We had a great time. Uh, they all were mystified that I actually showed up, <laughs> but um, not only just the Tuesday night fight, but the whole Discord channel as it is, it's become a living, breathing thing on its own, and it's all because of the people that put the time and effort into it. Um, the campaigns that are still going. The regiments that are still going, and I apologize again. I'm going to apologize. I know I'm a broken record uh, that we haven't done a campaign uh, regiment wide thing. Life's just been crazy. Um, but the guys that are stepping up to keep everyone invested, um, new people join every day. It's a great place to find a pickup game, just talk BattleTech, miniatures, terrain, everything. Uh, everyone's so great on the on the Discord channel. I can't thank everyone enough for how awesome everyone is on our channel. Um, it's growing every day. And um, I just want to give a big shout out to everyone on the Discord. There's too many people for me to to individualize. But um, I also want to shout out to all the other podcasters out there because they're doing fantastic job. Mech Bay, On the Origins, Valhalla, um, I'm missing somebody. Who am I missing? Oh hell, you got Renegade, HPG, uh, the DFA, you got <laughs> Armor Up. Oh, armored armor up. up. Oh, fuck armored up. They're they're on the Origins bastard child is what they are. <laughs> they're all doing excellent, excellent work. Um Black Pants uh, Black Pants Legion. Black Texas. Pants Legion, sure. Yeah. But uh yeah, I just want to just give a shout out to the other content creators because uh, it's so much it's so much fun for me to hear other podcasts, you know, discussing the topics of the day and and what they're doing and and it gives it really melds the community together really well. So I just want to give a big shout out to all those other Tuck guys. Dav Tuck Davian, we gotta get some shit together with him so he can come. We to really need to have Tuck on. Like that is somebody that. You know, there's there's that priority that Cubby Cubby was talking about. We have so yeah. many people we need to get on, but it's like ah. Then Char Not Charles wrong. says like, is it really living in like that two three spot? Like, there's like five people that just keep living in the two three spot. <laughs> and the so, unfortunate thing is, Lauren's in that two three. I know spot. Lauren Coleman's in the two three <laughs> spot. So. <laughs> 
Oh. That's funny. We'll we'll get better. Nudge, nudge, yeah. wink, wink. My, as my daughter says, do better. So we'll do that. Those are mine. Charles. All right. I got a whole laundry list. I got uh, Brent, Chandler, and Derek from over at uh, On the Origins of Battle Mechs uh, podcast. Uh, keep an eye out. Wink, wink. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt Stinger. Um, he reached out to me just being a real generous, gracious guy. Um, he designed some, uh, uh, mech stands. So if you head over to Aries games and minis, um, check out his mech stands over there. They're, they're really cool. Um, also David and bourbon for hosting the, uh, miniatures, classic rules event yesterday that i went to um i went there to help with to and just generally hang out which then meant that i got thrown in because there was an odd number of people so uh -huh. um <laughs> yeah um which then leads into uh kaylin and uh, mike thank you for being wonderful opponents and helping me uh on learn my alpha strike tendencies uh kaylin especially i played him first and the number of times he went uh your mech walked um, because I, every time I moved, I was like, I'm just using ground movement. So I just kept skipping. <laughs> I kept skipping my uh, movement modifier. Um, so thank you for walking me through Gator. Th yeah. Thank you for walking me through Gator. Cause uh, I'm totally on Sator now. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, but, but the games were great. It was, a, it was a lot of fun. David and uh, Ben did a good job of, uh, you know, setting things up and scenarios and all that stuff. Um, they made me be Jade Falcon though. So mm -hmm. I will hold that against them till I die. Um, oh, had to channel the Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, last but not least, uh, all of the listeners. Yes. You who's listening right now. Um, I just did a little quick math here in the last two minutes and, uh, it looks like our, our podcast average, maybe, uh, conservatively, about two hours, maybe probably more, but about two hours and at a hundred thousand downloads. So th th like my, this is where my brain goes. I always have to analyze things, but that, that that's 120 minutes, a podcast and at a hundred and hundred thousand downloads, that's 12 million minutes that people have spent <laughs> with us. So like, like I can't even wrap my brain around 12 million minutes. I don't like now, now when we, once we're done recording, I'm going to have to go do the math and figure out how many years that is. But that is a lot. That's a lot of time that you guys have shared with us, and I appreciate it very, very much. Could we couldn't do it without you? Um, all of this would be for nothing. So, um, yeah, from the, the the bottom of my heart, thank you guys for guys and gals, people, whoever you are, pets. Thank you all for listening. Twenty two years. God damn. <laughs> now, now, bend it around this. How many parsecs have they traveled in space time with us? I don't, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that one. That's too much. I don't know that one. We've almost made it to New Earth. <laughs> yeah, now thank you. Good check me in my thank math. 12 million minutes. 12 million minutes. I know your math skills. I've watched you measure play mats. <laughs> Somebody recheck that. 
There's yeah, that's, that's probably wrong. <laughs> There's 86,400 seconds in a day. Fact, fact checker. Fact checker. Matt. I, uh, I'm having a great uh, podcast because I got to drink my Guinness out of a custom-made Charlie oh, Company original hot dog cider. I was, glass. I was I was going to ask you where you got that because every time you tipped it up, I saw you could logo see the, the Wolfnet symbol on the bottom. <laughs> oh, I come saw that. On. I saw that. So thank you, Ishi, again, as Let's always. Get all the good stuff. And along with these stickers and the bottle openers that you sent to us, that will be continued to be distributed to the rest of these gentlemen um, as we see them in person. Um, thank you. Even the one that's charred, I like the best because a wooden bottle cap opener should be a little bit charred because then, <laughs> then it looks like somebody overheated to get that beer bottle open. Well, that being said, any comments, questions, concerns, you can reach us at WNRP at WolfStreetGoods.com or you can find us at YouTube, Discord, Patreon, Facebook, Queensboro. Have a great evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Woof. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Oh my god! I, I, I think it's so cool. Aaron, I did the math. Twenty-two point eight years. Or, yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah, that's what I got. Was You're spot right? on. You're spot on. Perfect. See, you can measure. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, <laughs> Craig. Craig. Uh, uh, stop recording. Not that. Do I sound like a toaster worshiper? <laughs> Can I not do this? We could do a commercial with us. <laughs> Chandler. <laughs> it's tough record. Oh.